Hi, I'm Miranda Ray Mayo, also known as Mr. Mayo. I play Stella Kid on Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hi, Shyhards. Welcome to episode 255 of Meet Us at Molly's. I don't know what I'm more hyped about the fact that Casey's back or the fact that Michaela called Adam dad. I know. It's like I didn't think going into this week that anything could overtop Casey coming back, but like, and I don't think it does, but the Berzik Michaela stuff is like a pretty darn close second. It's like 1A, 1B. 1A and 1B. I'm so glad that I did not see that coming at all and got completely blindsided by it. It was the best because we were on FaceTime watching it together and you Mm -hmm. literally screamed. You were like, oh! I like did an actual audible gasp and that was like honestly the best reaction ever yeah no it, w- it was completely like my completely organic reaction she just said it and like and Brenda and Lauren were on a delay and so like it hadn't happened for them yet I legit like yeah I was like 10 seconds yeah. behind you which is weird because usually you're 10 seconds behind me because you have YouTube TV or whatever yeah and I have cable <laughs> like I have actual TV I don't know I don't and know. so usually I'm the one that's 10 seconds ahead. I don't know how that happened, but anyway. Yeah. No, I, Hello, I definitely people. I definitely screamed. And I'm so I'm so glad you got my actual reaction to that. It was great. It was great. It's like one of those moments I'm like, dang, I wish I was like recording. Yeah. But like still, because that was like a great one day we should, you know, watch these episodes live and like actually record like record it so then we can use it as like an instagram reel or something that would actually that's actually a good idea i don't know maybe for like that. the penultimates or something yeah where it's like more you know intense and not just like random episodes i don't know about the penultimates i mean these finales are setting up to be the most intense ever the finales oh my god okay yeah the finales like, fire and pd yeah yeah who knows what's gonna happen on med but yeah, like we don't know i mean we know what med is gonna be kind of it's gonna have to do with jack but like yeah i don't think it's gonna be that intense well jack and dean yeah the sean archer's gonna die but we'll get there we'll get there i could not believe we called that like we'll get there we'll get there yeah no we'll totally get there but i'm just i'm just really jazzed it was a good week it was a big week and i'm just like i want to talk about like everything right now like at once especially because yeah, I guess, well, we can start with the news because we don't really have any news. The only news that we have is that the shows aren't coming back till May 3rd. May 3rd. So literally basically a month from now. We've got three weeks off. Yep. yep. Um, Which we can only assume that means they'll run straight through to the finale uh, because there's four episodes left and usually the shows are done before Memorial Day. So... We're assuming the finale will be on May 24th. Yeah, yeah. Everything is pointing to that, but we don't have official confirmation yet. Uh, We're kind of waiting for that deadline article to drop when they're like, NBC announces season finales. Yeah. But I don't know. But we've got a lot for you guys today. Um, A, yes, we are extremely jazzed about everything that happened this week. But also, don't forget, we we chatted with the director of this week's Chicago Fire episode, Tayo Amis. Um, She's part of the NBCU Female Forward Director Program. 
Yes. Um, and that was awesome. Just to get a little bit more insight. That's a pretty awesome program that they've got going. And she's so cool. Like she's, she's done so, so cool. many things and she's got so many things coming. I'm just like, dang. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. dang. Girl boss. Yeah. She is you. literally the definition of a girl boss. Yeah. Thousand percent. So yeah, um, that is a, well, we'll, we'll refer to her answers and things throughout the fire portion, but you'll hear the full, you'll hear the whole thing at the end of fire before PD. Yes. Uh, but that was cool. I'm glad we got to chat with her. She's she was awesome. Yeah. So okay, no news, no patron shout outs. I mean, we can just jump right in, right? Yes. Oh, this episode of Med. Oh boy. Okay. So like it started chill, right? And then it got it went from like zero to sixty. Yeah. Why are men men? It's really okay. like the whole summary of this episode. Why are men men? Yeah, why are men men? Okay. I well, it doesn't mean anything when I say it, but Will and Crockett were cool. Yeah. Okay. Why were most of meds men men? That. That. AKA majority- Archer. Dr. Charles? Like what the we'll get there and then Peter. Arthur. Peter? No, it's Peter. We always think it's Arthur and it's yeah. not Arthur. Okay. It's Peter. The one time I actually get it and you don't have it. I gotcha. Okay, but like, he kind of earned us calling him the wrong name this week. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Fucking Peter. So Sharon got the first scene, so, you know, we're going to go with that. Um, there were a lot of like little storylines that kind of converged into big ones. Yeah. So just kind of bear with us. Okay, so Goodwin and Maggie go into her office. George sent flowers. George, the guy from the board. Remember, the one who's totally into her. He sent a bunch of orchids, super pretty, whatever. But she's also like, he's being really persistent because like, I don't want to get drinks with him. And Maggie's like, why not? And she's just like, he's on the board. Like, "Eh, I don't want to mix business and pleasure. Maggie responds in the best way Maggie possibly could. And that is by taking Will and throwing him under the bus. Yeah, it's so funny because she's like, well, it's pretty much like common occurrence around here. She's like, you had Will and Natalie. Will and hannah will and Grant, like she's just like literally listing all of will's relationship never mind oh she does talk about ethan and april for like two seconds but yeah, like yeah. still i loved it i loved it uh it when in so doubt good. just take will and throw him under the bus it was so good it's it was pretty so funny. funny yeah and then goodwin was like stop it i don't want to hear any more about dr halstead's love life like stop <laughs> yeah very funny okay so so then later on in the episode uh you know, a lot of people in the hospital are having a horrible, no good, very bad day. There's there's a lot of things happening. And Arthur just like barges Peter. into her office. Peter. <laughs> Peter. 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 Okay. Peter is the name of the guy on the night agent. So I'm just going to like program that in my brain. We were just talking about the night agent before we started recording. Um, so Peter. Okay. Peter, like, storms in her office and, like, bro, this is your boss, okay? Like, don't go in there without knocking. What are you doing? Do you have a death wish? Yeah. And so he goes in and he's, like, there's an impromptu board meeting on the calendar. Did you see this? This is ridiculous. And I love how at one point he's, like, he's saying something. He's being really dramatic. And Sharon's, like, look, I hate being ambushed just as much as you do, but let's not be fatalistic. And I was, like, I love it when she tells people to, like, just cut the shit. I love it. Yeah. She takes no crap. No. Yeah. And so, and so Arthur, Peter, Peter, <laughs> Peter. <laughs> okay. So he's already coming in like with an attitude. He's kind of being a dick, not kind of, he is being a dick. And then like 
at this point he was he was okay he hadn't like crossed the line yet when he crosses the line is when he looks at the orchids and he sees the little tag on it and he basically just says i didn't realize you and george were getting so chummy sir sir just take you with the other two med men who are pissing us off and i'm just gonna yeet you off the green screen balcony stop it i understand his concern about like obviously what sharon is also concerned about which is business mixing with pleasure i get that but that was not the way to go about your concern what she does in her free time is none of his damn business yeah, I mean, I would love to know what the hospital policy is for, like, her to technically get involved with a board member. Like, is there a policy? Like, is there not a policy? Like, what is the fraterniz- fraternization policy Yeah, regarding this? Because I have a feeling, like, I'm, something I was going to ask you was, what are they doing, like, with this story, the George Goodwin storyline? Like, are they going to make them a thing later on, or is this kind of, like just for conflict purposes for these like next few episodes and then we'll never see George again. I have no idea. Um, I mean, that could go a million ways, right? So that could go the way of like George double crosses Sharon and Sharon's like, get the fuck out. Or George helps save the day and they help the Jack get the fuck out. And then she's like, fine, we can go for drinks. Like yeah, it could go a million different ways. I don't know. I, I don't think that's a high priority right now. I think it's just there to kind of plant the seeds if they want to go that route in the future. Yeah. I just, I've been really wondering because, you know, it seems right now that George is so tied to Jack, like this Jack storyline, like obviously Jack brought George in, Jack, you know, Jack, George is basically the intermediary at this point between Jack and Sharon. So like, I'm just curious, like whenever Jack gets eliminated from the story, because I, I have a feeling early season nine, that's going to happen. But like, you know, so then what happens to George and what happens to the George and Sharon relationship? It's a really good question. Yeah, yeah. it's a great question. I don't know the answer. Um, And so anyway, it goes back to my point of like, I understand Arthur's concerns as the lawyer. Peter, you did Oh my God. It's because you have Arthur written in the freaking outline. (laughs) Did I? Oh shit. Yes. (laughs) And I'm literally staring at it. And now I just changed it back. Anyway. My bad. I I understand Peter's concerns. I just don't think... Saying it like that is the way you tell Sharon, like, hey, you know, you know. She's your boss. You don't tell her that at all. Well, he's a lawyer. He has to, that is literally his job is to be like, no, you can't do this. No, you can't do this. That's my job. I would never say that shit to my bosses. I respect them way too much. Well, that's what I said. I said, that's why I said, I don't think you say this. I think you tell her what the policy is and either she can't, you know. In a respectful way. I don't know how that go what is the respectful way, but like still. I do love how he he immediately knew he fucked up and she didn't have to say anything. She just lowered her glasses and stared at him. I all hail Queen of Patha. Like oh yeah. For real though. I love a thousand her. percent. Because that woman is a queen. Yeah. On screen and IRL. Uh, we can confirm. Can can confirm. Oh, man. Every time we interview her, I'm just, like, in amazement. I'm like, that's Epatha on the other side of the screen. That's Epatha Murkerson, like, I know. talking it's to like, me. It's, like, one of those other... It's, like, I wish she did more press, though, because, like, I would just love to sit and, like, bask in her amazingness. Yeah. Oh, God. Like, I would love to, like, have a... Like, you remember that year at ATX that we had that night with Mary Lou Henner? Yes. I would love to have that with Epatha. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so just for context, this was years ago, so we can tell the story now. Um, Mary Lou Henner, she's been in a ton of shit. She was on Dancing with the Stars. Um, she was on The Apprentice. This was the year after she was on The Apprentice. So this was like maybe 16, 17. Were you there that year? You were, right? Yeah, it was my first year of ATX, so 2017. 17, okay. Yeah, so Mary Lou Henner is there and she comes and sits down at our table. There's a bunch of other Hollywood guys there. It's a big table. So she sits down and basically they start asking her about like Hollywood stories. First, they ask her about Donald Trump and The Apprentice because this was like, he was, he was, he was running. I don't think it was 17 because he was running. No, it was 17. Oh, geez. No, okay. So I, I it was, was my first year at ATX and I went the year I graduated. So, so yeah. So they start asking her about all these things. If you don't know, Mary Lou Henner has this crazy memory that's like she remembers exact dates and times and things. Like Mensa has studied. No, there's like, memory. there's like, yeah, there's like a name for what she has where she can be like, on May 17th, 1982, I had cereal for breakfast. I wore a blue shirt. Yeah, like it, it's insane. I forget the name of what it is, but it's yeah, it, it's bananas. But anyway, basically, we spent that entire night because like she started talking to these Hollywood guys and telling them stories. Well, of course, we were going to listen in. We were like, fuck, like old Hollywood stories. This is awesome. Uh, and so we listened in and we just kind of joined the conversation. And that's the kind of night I would like, I would pay good money to like sit around the table with a drink in hand and listen to We Paid to Tell Hollywood Stories. Oh my God, I would die. God, I would pay money. Like this should be, if like if they ever, if, if anybody does like a charity thing ever again, like, you know how Joe had his charity thing, they should auction off like a happy hour with like Epatha, Oliver, Steven, like the old timers on the show. I would sit, oh my God. That yeah. would be amazing. I would... So many charity ideas. You know, eventually we need to like do something. I know. It's just, we just don't know where to start. I know. We'll we'll talk about it. But I have so many ideas. I feel like, yeah. So that would be amazing. I was telling Bryna earlier. I took up embroidery just to keep my hands busy, and I think I might spend this entire episode trying to thread this one needle. Um, I'll report back on my progress, but you know with me guys it was a big night in one chicago we're gonna have fun tonight okay so yeah sharon just gives him like the stare down with like the glasses and the eye and he's just like i'm gonna find some other business to stick my nose into so like he knew he fucked up yeah so george circles back around and he's like so i got your message i called back to get the tea doesn't actually say that but you know that's basically what he says and sharon's just like okay so what is it and she's like so or he just basically says there's a lot of big changes on the horizon that's it so yeah. we come back at the very end maggie's maggie's on the warpath about something else we'll get there in a minute but maggie comes to sharon and she's ready to just like unload well it's like defcon one in sharon's office there's like a million people in there they're all on their phones it's like the situation room on cnn has invaded sharon's office yeah and so she comes outside and Maggie's like, the fuck, dude? And Sharon's like, we're trying to get to all the board members, all this stuff, because Jack has proposed a motion to make Med a for-profit hospital. Yeah, because they found some investors and all that stuff. And it's like... So what Abrams Dayton. was hearing was completely true. Yep. Fucking Jack Dayton. Fucking Jack, man. <sighs> should we turn that into a shirt? We should. Fucking Jack Dayton, yeah. Fucking Jack. Fucking Jack. Fucking Jack. Yeah. I know. I know. Ugh. I am sure Sasha is a fine actor and a wonderful person, but like Jack, man. Yeah. It's like, especially, I think Jack is so much more irritating because he toys the line of like nice guy who, but actually is really evil. He's not just like straight up evil. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And yeah, it's really irritating. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yep. Exactly. And I want I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt for weeks. I really have. No. But no, this is kind of, you know. Yeah. This kind of confirms that like this season has been his villain origin story. But okay, so I guess if we're thinking about where we're heading towards, you know, four episodes left towards the end of the season, is that going to be in the finale? Like them make like, A, do you think that that's going to be the finale is kind of the next part of like the board having the meeting? Or are we going to see that before? And B, do you think it's going to go, they're all going to vote yes and we're going to see a little bit of that probably in the beginning of next season before it like switches somehow back to what we know and love? I can see it going a couple different ways, right? So I could see it as the decision is the cliffhanger, or I could see it as, you know, the board votes yes, Med becomes a for-profit hospital, and then that's what we spend the first part of the season doing in season nine is just kind of like dealing with the fallout and adjusting and then eventually figuring out a way to get get him out. That's kind of what I feel like is going to happen. I could see it both ways. Yeah, I could definitely see it the first way too, but I feel like they're going to spend the first part of season nine on Mm -hmm. the fact that they're like having to do all these changes and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see it going either way. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. So stay tuned. That is the good one portion. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I wanted to like Jack. I really did. I tried really hard, but like, nah, no, this is that, that was, that was the nail in the coffin. That did it. That's what did it. I mean, that's what made me stop like putting the effort into finding the benefit of the doubt in every single thing he does. How's that for clarification? Okay. But yeah, no, I haven't liked him in a long time at this point. I'm like, nah. I tried. I tried really far, really hard to find the good in like everything he was doing, and I just couldn't do it. Nah. I tried. So next up across the hospital, we've got Grace and Will. And I said Grace and Will, not Will and Grace, because this was kind of this was grace driven pretty much they i don't know what's changed in the past week but i actually found her tolerable this week not found grace tolerable it's just that like a part of her storyline right now is to be frustrating because she is the antithesis antithesis of what everyone at med wants so that Mm -hmm. is just part of the character part of this you know the storyline but also b i just feel like they're driving her into this like will and grace romance and i don't know if i'm i'm not feeling that particularly yeah you know um but they're definitely driving that hard it's yeah it's tough i didn't i i definitely i actually kind of felt for her this week because like maggie came down on her pretty hard but you know that's just me but okay take it away brina all right, so we start off, Will and Grace are coming in the hospital, having their little talky-talk. <laughs> Apparently, Will and Grace played Scrabble, which is, like, obviously that makes most people think of Linstead, but it's also just then more ironic because, obviously, Jay Halstead, Will Halstead, like, the fact that it was, like, Will of all people making this reference, I was just like, oh, my God. Linstead used to play Scrabble. Yeah. Uh, she whooped his ass, too. Yeah. It was just funny. And, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, do the med writers even know that what that reference is to? Probably not. Probably not. But that's what honestly makes it that much better. That it was like Will of all people referencing Scrabble. And you know, it's just, it's so good. So, I mean, it's not a surprise that Grace would whoop Will's ass at Scrabble. But like Jay and Aaron, you think Aaron beat him all the time at that? Most of the time. Okay. Yeah. 
I think it's a little maybe a little more even between Aaron and Jay with Aaron getting more wins than Jay. Whereas like Grace and Will, no offense to Will, I don't see Will getting that many wins. Her vocabulary compared to his is probably like ridiculous. That's what I'm saying. I think Aaron and Jay had a little more of a level playing field. Yeah, yeah. She probably got a perfect score on her SATs, not Aaron Grace. Yeah. On like oh, the yeah. verbal portion. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Grace has hopped up on caffeine because today is a big day for her. The ED is getting some major big upgrades. She's nervous, of course, because they're pretty pro technology and obviously everyone at med is hesitant to become so pro technology. Um, but Will reassures her. He's like, no, everything's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And then we see them kiss. And the question is, is like, obviously that's the first kiss on screen. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess my question is, like, how much time has passed between last week when he was, like, bumbling his way through asking her out for coffee and this episode? Uh, They don't really give us an indication. They seem, like, kind of chummy. I mean, like, obviously they've been friends, but, like, they seemed very chummy for them having supposedly just gone out on, like, one or two days. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I assume a couple weeks have passed, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, I guess they're taking it slow since their date was just playing Scrabble. True. Um, but yeah. So we go to the go to the ED, and Grace is walking Maggie through all of the changes. Maggie is not on board, and like these thing updates, they're not going well because you've got this board that's supposed to be like check-in board tells you like where everyone is what rooms people are in yada 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 and maggie's like well i can just do that myself and maggie was so mean this week to her point i think having been in that environment just a little bit i do think some of the changes are like just not that you know in some of these like fast-paced environments things that take you 20 extra steps are just not worth it no, I mean, okay, the 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 monitors, I understand. The light sensors were fucking stupid. Yeah, that was stupid. So the monitors, I think, work in some setting. I would have to see, obviously, in a fast-paced ED, it may not work as well. Um, but yeah, the light-up noise, because they basically have these sensors that when people get too loud, then the lights will start flashing. But, like, what are people going to do? I, it, I don't know. I thought that one was... That one is pretty, it's so redundant too, right? Because you're just taking the sensory overload from being like the auditory to the visual. You're just overloading them in a different sense. When people are being too loud, they're not going to just stop because the light started flashing. More than likely, someone's going to have to get louder to tell them to shut up. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, and like what happens, like if say we have like a major casualty event and there's just a lot going on. So it's not like someone's being super loud. It's just like 20 million people doing 20 million different things. What are all the lights going to start flashing like that? Yeah, the, just... the ED turns into a nightclub. Right, like in the middle of a crisis. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that that's weird. what's going to happen in the finale. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> um, But so Will gets this patient who has like frequent headaches. She's been having this last one for like 24 you know, 30 hours, whatever it's been. Um, and she's terrified of a misdiagnosis. She's also very much a patient who's very into reading everything that she can on the internet. She is like, I have to know everything that is happening. And you know what? I don't fault her one bit. No. I it, like, it's weird. Cause like in some ways, 
like with all the kind of health stuff that I've been going through recently, I feel like I can kind of relate in that like you definitely can't just take what they tell you with like as their word. Like you have to know what you have to do your own research and figure out like and make sure you're asking the right questions and things like that. Yep. I do think that especially if you're not a doctor, that obviously the internet can be kind of a black hole and there is like taking it too far. Mm-hmm. But I do think that you're your best advocate. And I do think there's nothing wrong with like questioning what someone is telling you. No, I, I, not at all. And I mean, especially for this woman, not only is she a woman, but she's also a black woman. And so, you know, uh, black women get misdiagnosed more commonly than anybody else. Yeah. Uh, and and a lot of times it turns out to be fatal. So I, yeah, I don't blame her one bit, but I'm glad that Will was her doctor because I don't think another doctor in the ED would have been as patient with her. No, especially not this week. No. So basically another one of these new updates in the ED is that they have this new AI differential. So basically they can run, you know, with the patient's permissions, They this AI system will basically, using the internet and all the medical journals and everything, basically can back check what the doctor is putting into the chart. As, like, making sure they are making the correct diagnosis based on patients, you know, conditions, lab results, like, all the things. And so, basically, the AI differential comes back with this rare condition for this woman called GCA. And Will is a little hesitant to, you know, test for it. But because the patient is so hypervigilant, she, you know, she's insisting for it. And Will's like, I don't know if I would go so far, you know, like, I don't think you have that. And she's like, no, we're going to do the test. Yep, and the and other, I, again, I don't blame her. But the other part of the problem, which I definitely understand from Will's perspective is it's putting a lot of information in the patient's hands before that Will's even had a chance to fully digest it himself because everything is just, as soon as it comes through is automatically uploading to the patient's charts and the consent form guarantees full access. So basically the parent or the patient is automatically going to have everything access to basically in time that Will is getting it. And Will hasn't even had a chance to do anything with it yet. Yeah. And that's part of the problem. Which, okay. I I guess that begs an interesting question, right? Because I mean, I think it's good that she's got full access to her records, especially if she's been going through something repeatedly and like there's no answers, right? I'm, I think I think it's a good thing. But then I guess it begs the question, especially in the medical field, how much transparency is too much transparency? I think there's definitely thing is too much. I think the thing is though is like you, as much as I agree that you should be able to push, like you need to know kind of different terms and different things so that if you feel like something's not right you can push back against and ask the right questions Mm -hmm. I do think you also have to let your doctor be your doctor though and like make recommendations based on you know they're the ones that went to school they're the ones who actually you know know all this stuff like that's the reason you went to the doctor in the first place Mm -hmm. so I think you have to let the doctors be the doctors and then if you have questions you can ask them or you know push back if you don't agree you know or something in your guts telling you something else or whatever but Mm -hmm. I think let the doctors be the doctors and listen to the recommendations if you don't want to take it then you don't want to take it and that's your choice but you have to let the doctors be the doctors and by this automatic upload thing going straight to the patient as soon as it's going to the doctor doesn't give the doctors a chance to 
be the doctors. That's fair. I mean, yeah, I just, yeah, I mean, I, okay, I, I get that. I get that. I think, I think it's a balancing act though. It's gotta be a balancing act. Cause like, you, yeah, they, you know, you should know what's going on and i think you should have access to all your records i definitely think that i just think as someone who's kind of been going through this and has definitely pushed back on some of the things her doctors have come back to her with and like all that stuff i think there are times where i definitely want to know things about what's going on and like i definitely go around to get all my results early and like i've definitely done a lot of that recently but Mm -hmm. i think I also know when to listen to my doctors because they're the ones that are, you know, are the doctors and like, they're the ones who've been doing this for however many years and they're the ones that went to school for this, like, and I didn't. Yeah. So I think there's value, obviously, in that too. That's fair. That's fair. So, um, meanwhile, kind of on the other side of the hot, you've got this frequent flyer named Balin who was seen I don't remember which episode it was, but earlier this season, um, which I do, we've mentioned this before. I love that Med's doing this, even if they're only coming back for like two seconds. I love that we see the frequent flyer patients come back because they're frequent flyers. Like, of course, they're going to come back to the ED at some point if they're frequent flyers. Yeah. Like, that just makes sense. Yep. Um, So I thought that was cool, even though we only spent like two seconds with him. But he's a parent, if you don't remember who he is, he's a paranoid schizophrenic. He's got complex PTSD. So, you know, Maggie sends Trini in with him is like, you know, just sit with him, you know, we'll get him worked up. Well, of course, the red light for the noise sets him off. And, you know, he goes off and he's going to be okay. But this sets Maggie off against Grace. Maggie, I heard what happened. So you'll understand why I want the lights removed. Red was a poor color choice. I'll reprogram the lights to something more neutral tonight. I want them gone, please, Grace. Not reprogrammed, just gone. You agreed that monitoring noise levels in AD is important for patient care. And I do a damn good job of it. I'm not suggesting that you I not. don't need any assistance. Or, like, Maggie being, like, kind of firm. Like, it, it feels like a stretch for her. Yeah, I think I see where Maggie's coming from, and I definitely feel her frustration. I think it comes off maybe a little meaner than just her being frustrated. Yeah. But, I mean, I definitely see, obviously, I understand why Maggie's upset. I just think it comes off more as mean than frustrated. Yeah, and just the way that, like, you know, Grace is coming at this with, like, the best of intentions. She's just like, you know, Maggie, hey, like, I'm not trying to screw anything up here. You know, I'm just trying to make your job easier. And Maggie's just like, I don't need any help. Like, be gone and i think you know obviously in the back of maggie's head which you know she tells you know will later on which we'll get there in a second but you know Mm -hmm. maggie's just i think scared about the fact that if every which is i mean a fear i think a lot of people have not just in the medical field but in general is that like with the advances in technology are people going to start losing their jobs to robots and you know things like that so like i get it but you know i think it just came off more as maggie being mean to grace than like frustrated with what grace is implementing yeah, and I, I just kind of, I, I feel like of anybody in the ED, I wouldn't have expected Maggie to have the most resi- resistance to it. I think it makes perfect sense because I think Maggie's role as charge nurse is very 
easily a job that could be taken not her obviously she's valuable as a nurse but her role as charge nurse and kind of head of everything is a role that very much could be replaced by technology yeah you know what that's true now that i now that i think about it uh and plus she is very particular you know she's in charge of the ed and so she's got that shit down to a science and well, she feels that like that's her run. turf and for someone else to be stepping in on her turf that she's been dealing with fine for forever you know i i i get it i you know i get it i just yeah. think it just felt like in that moment she was being you know targeting grace for everything when grace is really just doing her job and maggie's more frustrated with the system yeah yeah that's true that's fair so that's fair i see it yeah um and then we kind of go back over to will and like we said will is definitely the right doctor for this patient because he's trying to understand where she's coming from but also you know be a doctor and you know give his recommendations on what he you know he thinks she should do um but he does end up losing the battle because the whole time is you know in order to test for this gca she has to have a biopsy well then in order to do that they have to you know open her brain up you know do all these things um and she basically says she's like i'm not gonna relax until i know for sure whether or not i have this well, that, and I mean, she looked, she looked it up for more specifics on, you know, on GCA and what it is. And she was like, look, if this is what it is, I need to be treated immediately because I could have a stroke at any notice. Right. Um, so I get it. Yeah. And so, but she, you know, so she's under, in, well, she's under like a light sedation because she's awake, but you know, mm-hmm. out of it enough. Um, but she does end up having it's like touch and go for like two seconds there because she has an allergic reaction. Um but it all turns out okay. But like we said earlier, Maggie is pissed about everything and she goes to talk to Will about it. What a waste of time and resources. If you want to join me, I'm planning on paying Goodwin a visit. What do you mean? Why? To let her know what a disaster these upgrades are before they get past the pilot phase. Mags, come on. Don't you think that's overkill involving Goodwin? Will, patient care has been compromised on multiple fronts today. Not intentionally. And Grace, she's still working out the kinks. I'm not trying to sabotage Grace's efforts, but I'm also not going to stand by while Dayton tries to automate us all out of a job. Sorry, I got to side with Will on this one, and I realize it means nothing when I say that, but, like, I'm with Will on this one. Like I said, I think Maggie's frustration is just with the system. I do think Will is correct to not, to point out the fact that, like, she shouldn't be blaming everything on Grace because Grace is, at the end of the day, just doing her job. Yeah. Um, I did just think it's funny because in the moment it's like when I was watching it last night, I was like, Oh man, Will's sticking up for his new girl already. I was like, Oh, okay. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, and I mean the, there's the there's that point where she basically is like, um, she's like, you know, patient care's been compromised, and Will says not intentionally. Not intentionally. It's just like you know, I'm and I get being resistant to the change because like I'm the same way, I hate change. Yeah, which is obviously why I took the Jesse Soffer news so hard because I hate change, but like, you know, just yeah. I guess I have no. The more I discuss this, the more I'm like, you know what? I get where Maggie was coming from, and I have no room to talk. Well, so. like I said, I just think her taking it on Grace, in my personal opinion, I think her taking it out on Grace was wrong. But I understand why she's frustrated. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it'll be interesting, I think, to see obviously as the news comes out that potentially med be humby could what well, she already knows at this point that med is going to become a for-profit potentially you know and how what changes that's going to bring if it were to go that way i think just kind of 
if that happens in the transition, I think that'll be really interesting to see how everyone yeah. reacts to all of that. I Yeah. And I mean, I know we touched on this last week, but I think if she turns on Jack, then what? You know, it's going to be really good. Who? If Goodwin? Or you mean if Grace? Grace. Well, okay. So if that happens, which I kind of think it's going to happen, but like if it happens, this is great. I guess my question is now, especially now too, that she's starting this new thing with Will, is she sticking around? Like, would she stick around past Jack's expiration date? If Goodwin would have her, maybe. I'd be cool with it. I just feel like it's interesting that, like, they're going to start a new ship, relationship, you know, whatever we're calling this, bling, whatever. And then, like, she may not even stick around for that much longer. Okay with it, if she did. And Yeah, no, I think, I, I think it definitely would be interesting. I'm just, you know curious i mean if she's on jack i i think that would it would it makes it a lot more interesting if she doesn't flip on jack and she's still just like yeah for profit rules then you know it's probably gonna look a little different and she's probably gonna go yeah probably yeah probably um we did have one listener thought on this brooke says i love will i really enjoy when will have a will has a love interest too I cannot see him with Grace. Even in their little conversation at the beginning, it almost seemed passive-aggressive. Maybe that's not the right word, but he didn't seem into it, in my opinion, and maybe a little annoyed with her competitiveness. I just think she's too by the numbers for him. I like that about her a lot, and I don't want her to change, but I don't think I'll be shipping this relationship anytime soon. See, but the fact that they're so opposite is why they work. That's why, like, I'm I'm still bummed that, like, they didn't go the Will and Nelly route because I okay. still think that would have been the cutest, but, like, it makes sense. Okay, paper. but Gina, the, you were literally saying last week that you were like, they have no chemistry, no chemistry whatsoever. No, they don't. They absolutely don't. But on paper, it on paper, it makes sense to put them together. So they what are your no chemistry? So you're shipping it? Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. Um, she was better this week. She was better this week. I don't think they have, I still don't think they have chemistry, but I didn't mind their story this week. Okay. Yeah. I just don't think they have chemistry. Like they're fine. Like, I don't hate them. I'm not like, oh, Will and Grace, like, this is the worst thing I could ever, you know, like, but like, I don't care for them i don't i'm not i don't think i'm gonna be like actively shipping them the way i am in an archer but it's fine i think i i did think it was cute how like you know uh he was like you know he just basically kept her calm when she was like hopped up on four shots of espresso on an empty stomach i thought that was kind of cute yeah um but you know it's well right everything will does is cute in my book yes we know just a reminder in case you forgot. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Do you have the Will Halstead Defense Squad shirt? Yeah. Okay. I thought you did. Yep. I was going to say, if not, I'm going to buy it for you. <laughs> it is in my drawer, freshly washed. Yep. Okay. I, I just, I love him. It's just, he's my bumbling idiot, okay? Yes, we know. He is he yours. Just, he can never, ever, ever leave. Ever. We're not even going to put it out there, so... Yeah, no, I, I couldn't, I couldn't bear. Yeah. <laughs> I can't lose another Halstead. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so then we've got to talk about Archer. Okay, look, I love Dean now, now. But 
It doesn't give him a free pass to act like an asshole across the ED. The thing that I'm not like, like, number one, Archer Stan over here. Love him. Love him. Love his growth. You know, I've talked about it a lot, how much I've really enjoyed his character development. Mm-hmm. The thing that I don't like them doing is that, like, and I get that, obviously, change isn't going to happen overnight. But the thing that I don't like is it seems like every week or at least every other week, it's like we see him revert back to Archer 1.0. And I'm like, why? Why? Yeah. And like, and, and I'm not one to make excuses for a person and be like, oh, that's just the way they are. No, 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 no. If you're going to be an asshole, then we're not going to have a relationship. Well, the thing is, he's been changing. That's been the whole point of this trajectory is to see him changing. And I get that at moments he is going to revert back because he's not fully changed yet. I get it. It just seems like it's happening constantly. It's like every week. It's like, oh man, Archer's being an asshole. Okay. By the end of the episode, yeah, he's back to the Archer. We, you know, grew to love. And I'm like, why are we keep doing this? Yeah, it's like, sorry, I was an asshole, but no, no, but stop being an asshole. Yeah. And like the, he was really ugly to Dr. Charles this week. And like, yeah, Dr. Charles handled it like a pro because I would not have handled it the same way. I would have been absolutely livid. Yeah. So Archer is officially in end stage renal disease. Like it's, it's, it is that bad. We are in kidney transplant territory, which how did we call that? How did we call it? Cause it's the, it, yeah, cause it was coming. We knew it. Well, I mean, like we, we predicted it, but also like I was fully expecting to be wrong and then go in another direction, but no, nope, we are there. Yep. Okay. So it is time to go on the transplant list, which means it is time to call Sean um only- he doesn't want to oh no no he's like sean's got his own stuff going on we're not letting him know about this like we're not doing that and hannah's just like dude dude yeah. so here's hannah and archer they kind of go on their separate things in this episode and then it comes together at the end so we're, we're gonna go through archer and then we're gonna go through hannah and then we're gonna bring it all together so stay with us okay so yeah it's time to put sean on the tra- not sean it's time to put him on the transplant list he doesn't want to call sean though So Dean's patient comes in and he's paralyzed from the waist down, paralyzed with air quotes, because he's actually not paralyzed. So he has something called body integrity identity disorder, BIID. First time I've ever heard of it. Have you? No, I've never heard of it in my entire life. Okay. So basically what happened is this guy was in a wheelchair. He threw himself out of the wheelchair and down the stairs because With BIID, you basically have the desire to have a physical disability or a sensory disability. Um, You basically wish to have some sort of disability. And in his case, he wants to be paralyzed. Uh, Yeah, that's bananas. I've never heard to it. I've never heard of it before. So conflicted on how I felt about this storyline not that I agreed with what Archer did at all but how I felt about this patient because on the one hand like the first time I heard this I was like that's crazy and I don't like using that word when it comes to discussing something like this but like I was like what I was like that just seems too too wild too out there and then you realize obviously it is a medical you know it is a it is a mental disorder and so, like, I get it, but I don't get it. And I think the thing that I'm just having, I'm having such a hard time wrapping my head around that desire. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, I just, I feel so conflicted about it because I just don't understand. Um, 
And I mean, I'm grateful that Med showcased this because obviously it is a mental disorder and it's one I've never heard of. And like we said, we learned something about it, but it's just like, I felt so conflicted this whole episode because I, I cannot relate to this guy for wanting to be paralyzed like at all. And it was kind of frustrating because I just don't, I don't relate. And yeah, it's just, it was hard for me personally to wrap my head around in, you know, in a good way and also bad, like, you know, it was just hard. I do like that they took the time to show that, you know, this guy has explored why he is like this, right? He doesn't just like, he hasn't just blindly accepted it and been like, I want to be paralyzed and, you know, and just kind of run with it. He has asked therapists and neurologists and said, why, why do I want this? Why? And so, uh, you know, I'm I'm definitely glad they explored that. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely something you don't understand that, you know, is what it is. So a uh, couple of interesting other tidbits I found out. So so BIID, it more commonly impacts males. And you have an increased risk factor for it if you knew someone who was an amputee as a child. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? I know. You learn something new every day. Yep. Chicago, Chicago Med, Med always man. teaching us things. Yep. The more you know. Yep. Crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so so I, I did Google. So like, once again, Chicago Med is just trying to ruin my search history because that's what it does. Um, but yeah, um, he so this new injury he has, he now has a fracture in his spine, like an actual fracture in his spine. And so they've got to fix it or he's going to be paralyzed for real. He doesn't want the surgery. Archer is so confrontational with this guy. Like, yeah, he's so confrontational to the point that I am glad that they pair Archer and Dr. Charles together so often because those two really are oil and water. Yeah. But I'm really curious how Archer, like the way he is in the hospital, how is he able to deal with Sean's addiction? How does he view things like mental health? How does he view things like depression? I mean, I think we learn, right? Like obviously in the beginning, he wasn't, he wasn't viewing them. He wasn't talking about it. He wasn't, he didn't want to even acknowledge the fact that he like had this son. He wasn't open about it. He didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. And I think while we don't know for sure, you know, very much like a lot of specifics, I think the fact that he's come around in the way that he has and has really done a lot to try to help Sean and bring Sean back into the fold and, you know. I think that says a lot about how he's changed his views. And I think it's just kind of implied without actually being, you know, said that Hannah has, I think, a lot to do with it, too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, For sure. So I think it's said, I think it's implied without being said. Yeah, I think that's true. It just makes me, he makes me nervous when he acts like this because he reverts to Archer 1.0, who was just like this horribly rigid, like, close-minded guy who that we were like get off the show what are we doing yeah yeah literally like his first like 10 episodes we were like just leave just leave get out of here steven weber you suck like get out of here yeah just just leave um oh his podcast started this week didn't it yes yesterday oh yeah okay okay we have homework yeah we need to download yeah um yeah and so he basically talks to Dr. Charles and he's like, like, I know we disagree here, but like, you've got to agree with me. Like he, he can't, we can force him to have the surgery. Charles is like, absolutely not. He's got decisional capacity. He's rational. Like he's confident. He's making these decisions, which I mean, yes, they're both doctors, but Dr. Charles specializes in this area. So I'm going to trust his determination a little bit more. Right. Yeah. 
And before he even gets in the elevator, Archer just goes, and once again, you're keeping my patients from getting the care they need. The med men just put them in a slingshot and just like, bing. yeah, the worst. Yeah. And like he throws, a, he kind of throws a hissy fit at Dr. Charles. Like what did that just accomplish? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And then when, uh, when he, like, he proposes a court order, he's like, we could get a court order. Okay, Natalie Manning, who invited you back in the room? Yeah, it very much felt very reminiscent of, now that you say that, it definitely felt a little reminiscent of Natalie Manning, for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he throws the hissy fit, and you would think that's that, right? Mm-mm. He confronts the patient again. Archer. Dean, you're killing me, kid. Um, And, like, it's not even, like, he... He doesn't just confront the patient again. He insults Dr. Charles's intelligence while he does it. Yeah. Which is just like kicking the horse while he's down, right? Yeah. It's fucked. So Dr. Charles is like, get your ass out here right now. You think I don't know when I'm getting played by a patient? It wasn't a comment on your skill. What are you thinking, man? I need to remind you of all people that bullying a patient into a procedure might get you into a little Somebody trouble. Somebody needed to talk some sense into this. All right, this is an unprecedented situation. No, it's not. Yeah, absolutely is. Maybe some more opinions in the mix. Oh, you want to get in the psychiatrist away? Uh, I think it would be wise. Great at the idea. very least, it would cover ourselves legally. Oh, you're getting loud, doctors. Dr. Kwan's on call. Say hi for me. This is where I would be fucking livid. Absolutely fucking livid. If somebody tried to go over my head and second guess my decision. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'd be burning that place down. I'd be livid. Yeah, especially because it's not like someone saying, like, if you're looking at an x-ray and someone's like, no, that bone's not broken. And then someone behind him is like, yeah, it is. Like, it's not like that, you know, like, this is like what you said. Dr. Charles literally specializes in this. I think he probably knows what he's talking about more than Dean. But. Yeah. What do I know? But the second guessing just shows a complete lack of respect. Yeah. Especially, like. It'd be one thing if you went to Dr. Charles and were like, hey, I'm not trying to second guess you. I'm really just trying to understand where you're coming. Like, there is a way to have a conversation with him about his decision in a respectful manner. But this is not that. No. But then what kills me is that in the clip, Dr. Charles is like, you think I don't know when I'm getting played? And Archer just goes, that wasn't a comment on your skill. No, but it was, though. Yeah. It was. Yeah, because you think he's wrong because you do think he's getting played. Yeah, you think he's wrong because he's not telling you what you want to hear. Yeah. That's not cool. No. No. Fucked. So, Dr. Charles, and you can tell he's pissed. He's like, the other psychiatrist is on call. Like, I'm getting Go the fuck out of here. Yeah. yeah, he's like, I don't need this shit. Like, bye. Uh, so then, at the end of the episode, he apologizes. So Dr. Kwan agrees that Kurt has decisional capacity. Got it. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's signing the paperwork to uh, leave AMA. Appreciate the update. So, uh, I'm tied to a dialysis machine most nights, and I'm, I'm, I'm currently being evaluated for the transplant list. I didn't know you were uh, that bad off, yeah. Me neither. Yeah. And once I'm on the transplant list, I, I, I need to be within a certain radius of the hospital at all times. But uh, 
Suddenly my life and my plans are being dictated by my health. And so when I see this young guy, this, this picture of health, willingly giving it up, I made it personal, which you already probably knew that I was doing because you're excellent at what you do, Dan. And I shouldn't have implied otherwise. Okay. This is like anytime a celebrity gets canceled for some sort of bad behavior that gets uncovered, you're only apologizing because you got caught. You're only apologizing because Dr. Kwan agreed with Dr. Charles. Obviously, Dean, you know, admits in the clip that, you know, he realized in that moment, like, why he was doing, why he was reacting the way it is, is because he has all these fears about his, like, he's having a lot of fears about his own health and, like, you know, what he's about to go through and all that stuff. And I understand that. And, like, once I heard that, I was like, okay, I can kind of see why. I don't think that, you know, that doesn't make up for the fact that you just treated your patient like this, treated Dr. Charles like that. Like, that doesn't make it okay. No. Um, And I think they kind of, you know, Dr. Charles was like, okay, well, you know, I accept your apology. Like, you know, we're cool. And I was just like, eh. But if, I, if I'm a doctor in that hospital and you've second-guessed me once, I'm not going to want to work with you again because I'm going to know that you did that to me one time and that you're very well going to do it again if I tell you something you don't want to hear. Okay, but this is med. We're not going to, it's not going to go that far. No, and Dr. Charles is, you know, a bigger man than I am for sure. But like, yeah. I, I just, I'm not a fan of making excuses for a person when they just treat you like shit. I'm not. No, I agree. If it yeah. walks like a duck and talks like a duck, I don't care what the intentions are. If you're talking to me in a disrespectful tone, don't come back until you can be respectful. You know what? My dad always says you can forgive, but you don't forget. And I think that's going to be Dr. Charles. Like, I think he, for I definitely agree. I think he forgives Dean and, you know, he accepted the apology. I think in the back of his head, though, it may, even though we'll probably never hear them ever reference it again and they'll be fine the next time they work together. I think in in my canon, I think it'll always be in the back of Dr. Charles' head. Like, yeah. he won't forget it. He may forgive Dean, but he's not going to forget it. No, no, no. And I mean, okay, I understand, you know, he's about to go on dialysis. He's scared. He doesn't, you know, he took it personal. Okay. But how many times in the past have you taken it personal and been a dick to somebody else in the hospital? It's not a okay. Lot. A lot. Well, that's what I'm saying is, like, I thought we were over this. And, like, I get that there's Archer still going to have his moments of slip ups, you know, mm -hmm. where we see him kind of be Archer 1.0, but it's just like, it feels like we're doing this every week. It's like Archer having another slip up and, you know, being an asshole. Arch and I'm like, I thought we were over this. Right. I don't know, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, I understand the man's going through something, but you can't, you still can't, that doesn't give you the excuse to treat people that way. Agree. So. so now let's talk about Hannah, because again, these kind of, they go their separate ways and then they converge at the end. So God, this one broke my heart. Oh yeah, my goodness. This was really sad. So sad, but we got some Hannah backstory out of it. Yeah, I was uh, not expecting that. We'll see if Brian throws me under the bus here in a little bit um, <laughs> about something else, but we'll get Oh, there. I already okay. know what you're going to talk about. I, I wasn't know. gonna I, I I preemptively brought it up because I wasn't going to bring it up but I knew you were gonna wait to like wait for the moment so I preemptively did it 
we'll we'll get there okay so hannah hannah's patient is a pregnant woman she's got dizziness and shortness of breath she's got this 11 year old son who's like just adorable um doesn't want to leave her side because it's literally just the two of them right so she brings in crockett um also lol at the way that crockett had absolutely nothing to do this week literally nothing i couldn't even it took me like because obviously in a little bit he's already back in his like normal clothes and i'm like why was he even there like why would like why how did they only have like two scenes of stuff for him to do i don't know that just kind of that kind of struck me because there was was just so much else going on but yeah Okay, so she brings in Crockett, and uh, she has this heart condition. The the patient has this heart condition that tends to pop up at the end of pregnancy, um, and they can treat it, but they they ha- they want to admit her because you know they want to monitor Mine. her heart function and everything. And her son is about to get perfect attendance at school, so she's like, "No, like, no, I just I want to leave and take the medication at home." So she convinces them to do that, that, you know, she, she, she gets discharged, but in, in, in an instance of absolutely perfect timing, her water breaks. Yep. As, as things unfold at med always. Yep. So her water breaks, it's go time, time to have the baby. And she's like, but who's going to watch Ryan? And Crockett's like, dude, I'll do it. Crockett's like, I don't really have anything going on today. I'll watch your son. How did Crockett, like, should we worry that they basically like made Crockett a babysitter for a whole episode? No. Okay. We don't need to worry about Dom. No. Stop no. putting things out in the universe. Well, I, like, I just have trust issues. So like every time someone says something, I'm just like, no, stop. Why do you think I bring it up? No, we don't have anything to worry. Crockett's had a lot of stuff that I you can't have something every episode. Yes, you can. Not when there's like 20 other things going on in the show. They never do that to anybody else where they just sideline them for the whole episode. Yes, they do. Will? It happens to a lot of people. Okay. Dr. Okay, Charles just... will have like one comment every now and then. Like, it happens. I have trust issues too. I do too. So, you know, whatever. It's cool. Uh, So yeah, so Crockett stays with the sun and like... Oh my God. Crockett and kids. You just, when you haven't had it for a while, you forget how good it is. So good. Oh my goodness. And then like the scene where they're sitting there at like a little coffee shop and, you know, before the mom had gotten discharged, the son had said something a little mean. And so Crockett was like, why don't we go to the gift shop? And he's like, yeah, I'll I'll get a card and like say, I'm sorry to my mom. Oh, mm. my heart. So what happens in typical Grey's Anatomy fashion, the mom dies. Of course she did. The mom dies. Just, yep. Great. Yep. Awesome. So, uh, and it's it's heartbreaking too, because like the moment when Hannah communicates it to Crockett, there's nothing said. It's just all do facial expressions. Hannah's face is like heartbroken. Yeah. And Crockett's trying to compute it as this kid, it's like fast asleep on his shoulder. It's, yeah. that's the precious part. But his face, he's just like, oh man, like, oh no. It's like, I know what I'm, gonna have to do and you know yeah 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 oh uh so the aunt and uncle come and you know they're with the kids and with the cousins and everything and so hannah and crockett are just kind of watching and so hannah's taking it hard so crockett's just like let's walk like just walk with me let's talk it out and we get this you know my sister elizabeth lizzie she uh 
Ryan's age when her mom died. I didn't know you lost your mom as a kid. Lizzie and Matt, that's, um, that's my brother. Dad at the toughest. Because they really remembered her. I never got to meet her. She died in childbirth with me. Aortic stenosis. Mm. Undiagnosed. I'm sorry to hear that. The doctor said that he thought she was suffering with symptoms during her pregnancy, but she just downplayed it. Because like Sarah, she wanted to be the best mom that she could be. To her, that meant putting her kids first and herself last. Swallowing any pain or discomfort so that she wouldn't burden her kids. And still to this day, I am so angry at her for it. I'm so angry because I never got to have my mom. I don't get to remember her. We didn't know any of this, right? Or that no. he, obviously we knew, I didn't, I knew we didn't know about her mom. But we definitely, she's never made any comments about brothers and sisters, right? No. I didn't think so. So she's the youngest. Yeah. Oh, Hannah. And I'm sure that has a lot to do with why she became an OB, right? Probably. You know, to stop, or to obviously do as much as she could to prevent other kids from going through losing their parents and or their moms in childbirth. It's kind of like Gallo and how, you know, he lost yeah. his family in a fire and he became a firefighter. Yep. Oof. It's hard. Oh my God. Absolutely heartbreaking. Um. Yeah. And I mean, I, I wonder if like part of her addiction stemmed from like just the guilt that she felt about like taking their mom. Probably part of it. Yeah. Somewhere deep in the subconscious. Oh my goodness. That's tough. That's tough. All right. All right. Go ahead and say what you're going to say. Throw me under the bus first. You start it. Go ahead. Okay. Last night when we were on FaceTime, Gina's first comment to this whole scene was, oh my God, the chemistry or something like that. Give or take between Crockett and Hannah. A little bit? I, and listen, I will say this. I don't think you're wrong. I do think that, not that I ship it in a romantic way because I don't. Can I get that in writing? I don't, what if that's so crazy? I don't think that's like a wild thing to say. Cause like, <laughs> I think it's there. I don't think I see it in a romantic way. Honestly, do you know what made, when I was watching this though, what I was wanting, I was like, why is it taking us, like, why do we not have Crockett in another ship? Like, why do we not have Crockett in a ship of any, like, it's just like, I was sitting there and I was like, how is that man not in a romantic relationship? Because we're running low on females on Met, aren't we? Yeah, we don't have any. We have Hannah, we have Maggie, we have Sharon. And Hannah's probably, whether people like it or not, probably gonna, there's gonna be something with Dean. I, probably. Maggie's married. Goodwin is Goodwin. And we, only have like, three, we have three major female characters. The yeah, others are- because I mean, Grace you know, is, you know- Hit her, you miss Nelly and Nelly's minor. Oh, Crockett and Nelly. Exactly. But like, 
it's just like Crockett oozes all this charm and like he's so such a handsome man. It's just like and Don, I'm just like, how do we not have Crockett in a romantic ship? Like how? That's a good point. That would have spiced things up this season so he wasn't constantly just in 2.0. Granted. Obviously, they've gone there a little bit, you know, hints in there. Like, you had Mm -hmm. the disaster that was the Crockett and April thing for, like, two seconds. (laughs) Crockett and Natalie, unfortunately, did not work out because, you know, Natalie got fired. And then the mess that was Pamela and Avery and Crockett. Like, I get wanting to take a break after that whole mess. But it's just like Crockett. Like, I that would be nice. I'm scared that one of our listeners is going to go back through a past episode from this season and be like, "How can you say that when you were just saying you like that Crockett's not in a ship?" I'm worried about that. That we might have said that the opposite at a certain point earlier in the season. Oh, I'm always going to root for that man in a ship. <laughs> I mean, I mean. And he had the charm turned up this episode. Like, he, he had the charm at, like, an 11 for this whole hour. I was just kind of like, hi. Like, just yeah. Just, like, give it to me. When he walked in the patient's room and she was like, I see surgery on your scrubs. Like, it's making me nervous. And he's like, I have that effect on people. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Crockett. A good-looking man. Uh, Yeah, yeah. that's an understatement. And okay, and and that nice like comforting hug he gives Hannah. I don't know. I haven't been on Tumblr today. I'm sure somebody's taken it. Like somebody's probably gifted side by side with one of him and Natalie after they get kidnapped. He just looks like he gives excellent hugs. That's all. Yeah, I just like I said I did not see the chemistry. I'm not gonna lie. Like I did not see it, but I just don't see it in a romantic vibe. That's fair. But That's I fair. definitely, and I think if they wanted to give us more scenes between the two of them and like have them be friends, like I wouldn't complain. I feel like Crockett, a Crockett hug would be like my one Chicago kryptonite. Like oh, I'd yeah. be totally fine. And then he'd give me a hug and I'd be like, whatever you want, Crockett. Do you think Crockett, okay. And then I'd say, okay, what I was going to ask, do you think Crockett across one Chicago gives the best hugs? And then I thought about someone else and I'd say well, Crockett's up there. We, But we got Kevin. That's what I was going to say. The Royce, yeah. Kevin's probably, like, 1A for, like, the the bear hug of it all. For, like, <laughs> if we really want to get down into, like, the hug details here. In terms of, like, coverage, Kevin's probably number one. Now, in terms of, like, meaning in the hug, probably Crockett. Yeah. They're up there, though. But, like, number one, two, for sure. I love hugs. I could analyze hugs all day. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Jared Padalecki, best hugs on the planet. Yes, I know. I I literally could have said those words for you. Just, it, it's like a weighted blanket. If if a weighted blanket were a person, it would be Jared Padalecki. <laughs> Just, yeah, yeah. And then like you can't breathe for a second, and it's kind of like the best feeling ever. Anyway, I digress. Um, yeah, Brian is just like, oh my god, this bitch. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so Hannah basically takes what has just happened, and she projects she projects we all do irrational stuff when we're upset when we're hurting right we all do that we take that feeling that we're feeling and it's really intense and we have to channel it somewhere so what she does is she meets up with sean just like outside at a cafe somewhere else and she reads him in and she's just like look your dad's in worse shape than you think he's not telling you the truth 
was it right to do not really but also she had good intentions they just did not that was not not her place and i love her and i love the idea of her indeed like but it was just that was not her thing i know she thought she was doing the right thing but that was not her thing to tell him no no it wasn't but at the same time i mean we've talked about it before i've been on the receiving end of not being told something and i know how badly that hurts like really really badly no, i i yeah no i agree and i think dean definitely needed to tell him but like I don't think it needed to come from Han- like Hannah was not the one that needed to tell him because like last week or was it last week at this point two weeks ago when she was trying to convince Dean like no you just need to even tell him what's going on in the first place she waited I mean she could have stepped in too and been like Sean you know this is what's going on but she waited for Dean to tell him mm-hmm. and I mean granted like you said it's coming from a place of Hannah being upset so like obviously you don't always do the most you know you're not really thinking things through when you're upset you just kind of act first i just don't think like i said i think she had the best intentions i just don't think that was the right thing to do no but also don't forget that her concern her concern for sean is twofold right because he's basically he's basically a carbon copy of her in this situation because he's got the parent who you know is is sick and he's also a recovering addict. And so in Hannah's eyes, these are the exact same circumstances that she went through. And yeah. probably the exact reason she became an OB was to make sure nobody else has to go through the same circumstances she did. No, I definitely, I, yeah, no, for sure. I just, again, I think, you know, she basically told Dean that she wasn't going to tell, she like, wasn't going to tell Sean. Like he was like, don't, you know, I want to tell him, but like, I we're not telling him and you know so it also kind of like hurts her relationship with dean because she went behind his back and told him something when she said she wouldn't yeah yeah so so the angst i get it i mean when you get hurt you just want to channel it somewhere and you don't always think about it before you do it yeah and it looks like obviously from the promo that when we come back in a couple weeks it's gonna be a lot between the two hannah and dean so yeah yeah so we got one listener thought on this. Lexi said, did anyone else see the potential chemistry between Hannah and Crockett or is it just me? No, no, it's not just you. It's not just you. Hi. I feel like it's so funny because I feel like if you're anti Hannah and Archer, everyone last night was like, "Ooh, was there something there between Hannah and Crockett? And then like everyone else is just kind of like, if you're like a Hannah and Archer person, you're like, eh, I don't know about that. Rhino will tell you when this scene aired, I literally like kind of had my head like cocked. I was I was just kind of like computing it. And I was like, I'm seeing something here. Like, I was just like seeing it happening. And I was just like computing it in my head. Yeah. I didn't need it. Uh, but yeah, so Lexi said when Crockett was comforting her, I'm not going to lie, I teared up. It was really cute. And then she said, speaking of my Queen Hannah, have I mentioned how much I love her? I mean, we adore her. Just Queen Hannah. Uh, she broke my heart when she was telling Crockett about what happened with her mom. She's been there so much and is so freaking strong. She's just a badass and definitely shined at this episode, just like she has in every other episode this season. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Things I didn't think I'd say a year ago, but. Yeah. Um, Goodwin Asher 2024. Yes. Yes. I'd vote for that ticket. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They get you done. Mm-hmm. 
So last up in the hospital, we've got Dr. Charles. This was a quick one, but also he was part of the reason that we wanted to take the bed men and just like eat them out the window. Hunt them out of the hospital. Yeah. Take it away, Brenna. All right. So there's literally like two scenes to the storyline. So the first scene, you've got Liliana coming into Dr. Charles' office. She's really excited because she's thinks she's gonna buy a house. Um, she's a friend that at work who's getting ready to move and has offered to sell her her house for you know basically like without a realtor um and dr charles is like oh that's great have you done this 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 and this have you gotten comps for the neighborhood have you done this blah 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 blah. and Liliana, like it's just like dude dude why are men why are yeah. men yeah like, why is it that, like, why is it women are, like, sharing something cool with you and you have to mansplain? Why? Yeah. Yeah. And he's Shot just not you. excited. Like, you literally could have just been like, that's awesome. Like, I'm really happy for you. Mansplaining's not cute. No, not at all. No. Not at all. No. Um, You know what Charlie told me when I was doing my bracket because he said he was going to help me? He didn't. Um, you know how on CBS Sports there was that thing where you could pull up like it would compare both teams, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so at one point during like one match, I'm like scrolling through and I'm like, well, this team's got a better free throw percentage. This team's got a better overall performance. Like I don't know. And so I went with another team and I was like, okay, I, I think I'm going to go for the upset here. He's like, it's not a free throw competition. I was like, I am going to throw something at you your like, face. Motherfucker, like, yeah, yeah. He mansplained soccer to me a couple weeks ago. I was like do you have a death wish you play like, soccer since before he was born i was around the sport longer than he was i was around the team before he even came along that's what i'm saying like, i was like you little bitch yeah. yeah what did he say yesterday oh did you see the thing on the news about the cash app founder yes so so the founder of cash app he was found like stabbed in san francisco and so i had on like the nightly news or something and they talk about it. And as I'm like walking out of the room, like they bring it up again. And I'm like, oh yeah, I heard about that. And Charlie turns to me and goes, why? Because it was on the news. It's like, why are men? It's why? like, have you seen Friends? Yeah. You Okay. It's like, I, I literally, every time I want to get mad and I like don't want to say something to someone, I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If yeah. you guys know, you know. If you know, you know. Yeah. You know, you know. Like, um oh nothing yeah. gets a reaction out of me more than mansplaining yeah um but basically so the episode ends and after the whole conversation with archer and yada 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 like dr charles realizes that he was also wrong and he has this ominous conversation with liliana and he's basically like the reason i was upset and kind of saying all mansplaining is because i was kind of sad that you it felt like you were doing this without me and that meant you didn't see a future with me and she basically is like well because of you you know i now know i want to put down roots in chicago which it ends up being a cute moment but it's like doesn't excuse the mansplaining Mm-mm. nope so yeah if we learned anything in this episode of mad don't, don't be mansplain. an asshole and don't mansplain It's yeah. a good episode though. Yeah. I'm I'm really excited and I'm I'm really excited now to like head into these last four. Um I'm like very intrigued by these storylines and like I'm here. Yeah. Very I'm much. Here. Yep. All right. It's fire time. 
aka the return of Matt Casey. I so we saw this in a screener, so we've literally been sitting on this episode for a whole ass week. And I tweeted, I was like, this is the first episode this season. I actually went back and watched for fun. Because obviously we watch the episodes and then we watch them again at least one more time for outlining purposes. And I think I've seen this episode now like six times. Like, I I love everything about this episode. I mean, it still leaves me with questions. So many questions. I loved everything about this. There's nothing I didn't like about this episode. Yeah, and the first time I watched it, I mean, it was really late at night, and I, I had both Brenna and Lizzie from Fangirlish being like, watch it, watch it! Uh, so I did, and I, I, the first time I watched it, I wasn't too thrilled, but then once I rewatched it, and I wasn't, like, sleep-deprived, and I came at it with a different mindset, I was like, okay, no, I like this episode. Yeah, like, when you said you would, like, the next morning, you were like, I was disappointed. I was like, how are you disappointed with this? I was like, this was so good. Again, left me with questions, but I was... I, It was everything I wanted, honestly, and more. Because we were really, you know, I know we had a couple discussions about this on the podcast, is that, like, when it was announced that Jesse was coming back, it was like, okay, well, is he only going to interact with Stella? Like, is it going to be for, like, one or two scenes, you know? And honestly, the amount of Matt Casey we got in this episode, I was honestly kind of shocked, but I loved every second of it. Oh, it was was great. It was great. It was everything we could have asked for. It was so good. It was so good. So good. Okay, so let's start off with with Stella and and Casey, and I typed Casey like all caps because just it, yay, it just feels it feels like it's been so long since we've gotten to talk about him, and it just feels really good. It really felt like the heart of Chicago Fire was back. Like yeah. it really, it really felt like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Stella has been chosen. For a Department of Homeland Security anti-terrorism task force. Yeah, she was. That's our girl. Yeah. Stella, queen that she is. So Bowden's like, yeah, this liaison's going to show up in a little bit to kind of read you in, whatever. That's cool. So the liaison, air quotes, shows up. And it's Matt. My art. Matt. I miss him so much. There was a lot of crap on the internet. People were like, Stella would have been able to recognize Matt from behind. Like, you know, a lot of people were calling bullshit Well, I don't think she was really thinking that, like, oh, yeah, this is going to be Matt Casey I'm about to. Like, that wasn't even on her mind. Like. No. No. Um, He recommended Stella for the CFD. He recommended her. Yeah. Well, as the Um, CFD representative. Yeah, as a CFD representative. Uh, Part of me does wonder if he would have picked Sev had he been around. No, I don't think so. You don't think? Mm. Hmm. Me, but also, I know there, like, I also kind of liked how, like, when she was like, oh, man, like, Seb's, you know, still in Alabama, mm-hmm. or, you know, Seb's, you know, gonna be so sad he missed this or whatever. And she was like, oh, he's still in Alabama. And I was like, okay, at least there's, like, acknowledgement, acknowledgement, like, he knows what's going on in his BFF's life that he's in Alabama. Cause I know a lot of people were like, Oh, well, Severide in case you don't talk, like, no, he at least knows that Severide's in Alabama. That's a more recent update. I'm fine. We're yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. Nobody can tell her what this task force is about though. She's trying to get answers and they're like, uh, we'll find out at the meeting. Yeah. So Casey's like, sketch, Casey's okay. like, this is really serious. This isn't like, you know, one of those meetings we just go to, you know, for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like, I can't talk about it out in public. 
I did love the moment when he was like, like right before he told her, he was like, you know, I can't talk about it. And he opens the door and we don't even see him go into like the main room, but we just hear everybody go. Yeah, it's so good. It felt so right. It was so good. So good. Yeah. So Casey's catching up with everyone. We get to see him meet Carver, which is a nice touch. That's great. He's giving Tony crap about the perfect attendance stuff. It's just perfect. It's so good. It's so good. And Brett and Violet walk in. Yeah. And so Violet's like, or not Violet, uh, Brett, I almost said Hawkins because I was thinking Hawkins for life. Oh, geez. Well, we just said Hawkins for life. We just just, said it. So there. You just said Violet. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. So Brett's like, she's rattled because Brett's just like, what the fuck is he doing here? Like that was the last person she expected to see walking into the firehouse. Yeah. And so she just kind of says hello they have an awkward hug and they they start talking about cindy's sayonara cancer party which also matt gets to be at which again great awesome perfect touch love it yeah love it so much so matt goes outside how are the boys great and got accepted to school so far still waiting to hear from a few others that's exciting yeah how have you been uh pretty good yeah just busy with paramedicine and uh you know i'm just gonna put this out there i've have been seeing someone he's a really good guy it's great you don't have to feel weird about that you knew what it meant to move on and i've been seeing someone too yeah yeah it's not serious yet but it's getting there i guess same well I'm in town till Cindy's party. I'd love to catch up. Going to Molly's after shift? Uh, no, I have I have plans, but um, maybe on the later side? I'll be there all night. Okay, but when he said he was seeing someone, I, like, braced <laughs> for him to be like, oh, yeah, Gabby and I are back in contact. I was, like, bracing for it. I mean, I would... I, as much as, like, when... Brett and Casey were getting together Derek was like yeah no Gabby's like gone like Gabby's like gone basically at this point Mm -hmm. like that's not a thing I would hope they wouldn't go back to you know just to throw that in there if that had actually been a thing but yeah like well even just when he was like oh yeah like I've seen someone I was like (laughs) like like no yeah yeah no, the same. I was just like, oh, like, we don't know what's happening in Matt's life. I don't like this. Well, and the, but the thing that I loved about this, though, is that, like, I it kind of made me feel good because, like, obviously, Sylvie, like you said, walks away. And, like, the first thing Matt does, he's like, okay, bye, everyone. I'm going to, like, bolt and, do, like, go talk to her, mm-hmm. which I loved. But, yeah. 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 Um. So, Sylvie is rattled, and understandably so. Why wouldn't he tell me he was coming to town? Well, it sounds like this Homeland Security thing came up pretty fast. And didn't you guys agree to ease up on communication because talking all the time was too hard? Yeah, I thought it would create some distance. And then he shows up at the firehouse when I thought he was 2,000 miles away. That was quite the surprise. If I'd known he was coming, I could have at least mentally prepared. Look, I love that he's back. Like, I love, love, love it. But not giving Sylvia a heads up was not cool. It's hard because, like, 
I don't think he can really say, you know, like, I think he kind of finds himself in a weird situation where, like, he didn't just show up for Cindy's cancer party and not say anything. Like, <laughs> there is a reason and he can't talk about why he's actually in Chicago. <laughs> he's just using Cindy's cancer party as kind of, like, the cover. Um, so, like, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt because he can't just be like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm coming to Chicago for a Homeland meeting, you know, like, blah, blah, like, you know, he can't say that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's not, you know, it's hard. Like, I think, you know, she just, she has all her feelings. You know, she's not over him. No. She's trying to be and she's not. And that's, okay, you know, but she's not. Right. Right. I mean, she kind of had to, like, the band-aid got ripped off right she didn't really have a choice uh, you know and in some way it's still like an open wound you know yeah yeah i get it um yeah and so at this task force briefing um we do get the reminder that casey is still very awkward in front of crowds and public speaking Love i that. was dying like it was so weird for me to see portland written on his jacket i know I, I was like, where is the CFD logo? Where, why doesn't it say CFD? Like, what the hell? I, Yeah. No, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. So he gets up and he's like, as most of you probably know, the Pacific Northwest has been the site of several recent terrorist attacks on the electrical grid. It has? It has? I don't think in real life. I was going to say, is that happening in real life? And I'm just not paying attention? <laughs> yeah, I, clearly. If, it, if you're not, I'm not. So... So we've got suspicious documents. The FBI is involved. Electrical grid is happening. It looks like we've got the makings of our season finale. Yeah. Especially because they literally, it's like they have this scene and then they never bring it up again. Nope. Throughout the rest of the episode. It's also one of those things too, where it's like, oh, the FBI, like this would have made an amazing FBI crossover. Like, come on now, people. Yeah. But I digress. Yep. So, meanwhile, Sylvie and Dylan, they go see a play, but Sylvie's mind is obviously elsewhere because she's looking at the program and she's like, huh, this is three hours. Oh, God. Because she knows that, you know, the whole conversation she had with Matt is like basically Matt's waiting for her at Molly's. And, you know, she's like three hours. Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she's not going to catch Matt at Molly's, even though she kind of wants to. Yeah. So at Molly's, Casey and Stella have a chat that just felt so good just now to say Casey and Stella that felt so good I love this scene yeah yeah so it's so good it's so good so Stella's like you really chose me for the task force and he's like yeah of course I did like legit like you're the most trustworthy firefighter I know nice just casual reminder everyone suffers from imposter syndrome Joe Cruz Stella kid people Mm -hmm. in real life Miranda has talked about it on our podcast. Everyone suffers from imposter syndrome. Totally okay. Totally okay. So yeah, she's genuinely surprised that he chose her, but she also convinces Matt to do a ride along. Bless you, Stella kid. Yeah. I didn't know I needed that in my life, but I I really needed that. So bad. Oh my god. I needed it so bad. Especially because the last time he was on the show, obviously in the season 10 finale, we like got like two seconds. Like he stopped by the firehouse, but he wasn't in a firefighter uniform. Like it was just it uh, this was so much better. This was so much better. Oh my goodness. So yes, she convinces him to do a ride along. And oh, by the way, Matt lied. He's not seeing anyone. 
Well, and the thing is that I, I love how he did it, though, because he's like one of those like moves. He's like, so he's like, where where's Sylvia? She, you know, I thought she'd be here by now. And Stella's like, is she coming? And he's like, yeah, she told me she was like, he's like, I want to know, but I don't want to pretend like I don't want to know. But I do want to do. And the casual disdain in his voice when she was like, he's, or she's not with a friend. And he was like, Dylan, Dylan, I know. He's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah uh so yeah and so he he just explains to Stella he's like I'm out there but nothing really sticks and she goes well why is that and he looks at her and says why do you think this is the first reference excuse me we all know it's because he's still in love with Brett and we all know it he's still in love with her yeah yeah he said that he said that um yeah I was surprised I was not expecting this no I, I wasn't expecting any of it, especially because given the way that things ended, like, it just seems like I haven't felt this much Bretsy hope basically since Jesse left. And I don't, I think I always knew that he was going to, like, care for her deep down or whatever, but I really thought that they were going to just have him live in Portland and, like, maybe eventually they would get back together whenever Kara decided she wanted to leave the show or, you know, whatever. But, like... I did not expect any of this. And now I'm all kinds of confused. Yeah. That's the biggest thing out of this is that. Gave well, and us this a lot is just reference marks. number one onto why I'm so confused. Right. 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 So next day at the firehouse, uh, you know, truck is doing their thing. Matt rolls up and he looks at here and he's like, Matt Casey reporting for duty, Lieutenant. When I love that she's just like introducing him to the guys, she's like, This is our new candidate. And I'm like, Yes. The hazing. And she's like, she's like, Chief Bowden frowns upon hazing. So just don't do it when he's around. <laughs> so good. Oh my God. Oh my God. Art. Art. Uh, and even, I, I mean, not that I didn't expect it, but like the way that Casey so respected her command. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't expect anything to the contrary, but just no. to see it was beautiful. It's so good. It was so good. So then we get these two little scenes where he's just chilling at the firehouse, just catching up with everybody. This scene with Cruz just like melted me down to like a puddle yeah. in the ground because they've both come so far. And now they're just like, instead of being, you know, like Lieutenant Casey and, and Cruz and whatever, now they're like, they're two really proud dads comparing pics of their kids. Yeah. When it's, that's part of the other thing too, is like before this episode, and we were like, okay, well, is Jesse only going to interact with Stella? Like, I hope he at least has, like, a chat with Herman. Like, I was like, at least hopefully that. And then the thing that I loved about it, though, is that Casey had moments with, like, a lot of, like, most of the cat, you know, most of the firehouse. Like, you had the cruise moment. You have, obviously, the Gallo moment later on. The Stella, the boat, and the Brett. Like, it was just, like, I, I didn't know I needed him catching up with everybody, but I needed him catching up with everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, and so, yeah, and Casey just kind of gives him a word of advice on the lieutenant thing. He's like, look, sounds like you're good at this. If it's something you want to pursue, I'm sure you'll find your way, which, I mean, a, a good word from Casey is just icing on the cake. It, yeah, it sits in my heart. It just, it means, it means a lot. It yeah. means a lot. Oh, my gosh. I, like, then, needed to hear it from him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, it, me as Bryna. Like, I needed yeah. to hear it from him. Like, I'm sure you'll find your way. I'm like, yes, Casey. I will yes, find Matt. my way. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Matt. I will. Thank you. Yeah. I love that. Uh, so, 
Stella rolls up, forces them to do some drills. And I mean, her just giving him crap is hilarious. He's like, yeah. well, what if I don't come? And she's like, I'll write you up. She's like, move. Yeah. Oh, so cute. And and yeah, and, and of course he blows everybody away because he he's able to get all like dressed in his firefighter gear yeah. in like record time. And Carver's like, damn it. Like, he's just like, oh, shucks. He's like, we gotta go again. And yeah. The way Carver's like, yeah, Carver's just like, that's the fourth time. Yeah. And not just like he holds the record. Yeah. Low. Uh yeah, he blows everybody away. And then he has a catch up with Bowden, and this is where the second question mark comes into play. I saw Chicago on that list of target cities. I had to get involved. <laughs> this is still home. In a lot of ways. Yeah. So when are you coming back? <laughs> ben will be off to college next year. I'd love to return, but some things have to fall into place first. Like? Like what, Matt? Like what? Finish that sentence. Like what? Yeah. Fucking bells. I just, I really want to know, like, what has to fall into place first? Like, what, like, what, what could possibly be? We already know, although they fudged up the timeline here, that Ben and Griffin are basically already out the door to college. <laughs> because it should have been Griffin that he's talking about, like, getting ready to send off to college, not I Ben. I was gonna but... say, I was like, Griffin's the older one, isn't he? Yes gonna say i could have sworn that like last year ben was maybe like a freshman or sophomore in high like ben should not already be going off to college this should be griffin but i digress so it's like okay so you've got them basically almost out the door to go to you know go to college and it's like okay so that part is set mm-hmm. i get it's a lot has to do with brett but like you can come back first and then get back together with her. Like, you don't have to do that first. Like, I just, what, what has to fall into place? It's a fair question. And then it's like, so what does that mean? Like, is Jesse coming? Like, I'm so, so many questions. Yeah. Um. Let's get through the rest of this and then we can really pick it apart. Yeah. Yeah. So they go on this call. This guy like jumped out of a window basically. And like, it feels so good to see him in turnouts and on a call again. Yeah. And then, it like, the way he helps so Gallo, right. like, because obviously the Gallo call, Gallo's struggling to get the guy th- up the window when the thing breaks, and he's just, like, there. And then, like, once they get him through the window, just, like, the look of, you know, relief on both their faces, and, like, it's just... I I didn't know I needed it, but I needed that. I needed it, it, the Casey Gallo stuff. Like, I needed it. It all just feels so right. Yeah. Just feels right. It's beautiful. Yeah, and the father-son reunion, even when they get back from the call, Casey's like, you're turning out to be like a hell of a firefighter. Yeah. And Gallo is just like, thanks, dude. Yeah. Like, I loved it. I loved it so much. So perfect. So perfect. I feel like I just keep saying that. But I, I literally loved it. There is not one thing about this that I did not love. Right. Same. Same. Uh, and, and then we cut to Cindy's party and he's dancing with Cindy. Like, it's it's so sweet and just, you know, perfect and adorable. And then Herman's like, hey, butt out. Like, get out of here. Uh, yeah. And he has a little goodbye with Sylvie. And it, it's, it's, it's good. I mean, I guess they're both assuming that they're just, like, not really going to see each other again. Well, I mean, I think they'll see each other again. I don't think either one of them is naive to think that, like, given their circle that they'll never see each other again yeah but like i you know i think it's more of like a 
in some ways they both want each other to be happy and so they're trying to be the bigger people and like let them go but that's not what either one of them wants clearly we know that from matt or what matt's implied and then obviously sylvie walks away crying so she clearly still wants it you know she's conflicted because she's got dylan but she really wants matt so yeah uh, yeah, a lot of us are confused after this one. A lot of it's us like, are confused. It's like, I loved it so much because I think it just, it revved up obviously a lot of the Bretzy fans and it made me feel like, okay, yeah, no, they're definitely meant to be. Like, whether mm-hmm. that happens now or it happens in a year, from, like, that's what the writers want. Yeah. But it just leaves me with more questions of like, so when is that happening? And like, yeah. is that going to happen whenever Kara decides to leave the show? Is that going to happen? Like, is Jesse coming back? Which, like, I'm so confused. Yeah, and my first thought about this after the screener, I was pretty defensive, right? Because I was like, yeah, do, you not, do not insult our intelligence. Do not dangle this in front of us and tease us if he's not coming back. Yeah. Don't do that to us. We're not stupid. Like, And the thing is, is, like, unless it is for... Kara to leave like I don't think you can make this work with just him being in a recurring role and like popping up every now and then like if you're gonna go with there with this storyline you either have to have him back full time or you have to do it in a way you know like a two or three episode arc to like get Kara off the show if Kara ever chose to leave yeah yeah but it's just like so what does that mean like I like, why now? Like, then why have this moment now? If he's not coming back. Right. 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 Do and you... I... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> uh, do you think any of this happens if Taylor stays? I was literally just going to ask you the same damn question. <laughs> no. And which is interesting, too, right? That, like... You literally created this whole big Bretzy moment and like questioning of whether Jesse's going to come back and is Casey going to move back from Portland? Like, it seems like his time in Portland's almost up. And like, I don't think that was their intention at all. Like, and before Taylor left, I mean. Yeah. It's interesting. It's really interesting to think about how much Taylor leaving has really affected and shifted a lot of these storylines really really has and the thing is is like do you think they're doing this and they're setting up and leaving this all ambiguous in case taylor doesn't come back and then they'll talk to jesse and being like hey you know you gotta come back yeah you gotta come back i mean this is all just speculation on our part right. we, we know we, nothing we nothing. know nothing no. we have no idea how taylor is like we know nothing this is pure speculation and, yeah and i mean and it may not even be an either or right it may not even be that but it feels that way and it definitely like, feels that like we'll only get jesse back full-time potentially if taylor doesn't come back which, like, I hate to think of it that way because I would rather just have them both and reunite to Macy and call it a day. You really think that he would come back full time, though? Not I don't recurring? know. I don't know. I think, I think if it, he did come back, it would be recurring. But is that going to feel satisfying? Like, in what way can he be recurring? It in a be, way that makes sense. Like, kind of like April, where she pops up once every couple episodes, like last season. 
but then in what way does he come back to Chicago? Like he takes a job, what, at headquarters or something? Or he's at a different firehouse? Maybe. I don't know. I just don't know if that would feel as sad. I mean, granted, I don't know if that would feel as satisfying because I don't think it would. But I think it is also important to note, I, again, we don't know anything, but Jesse, as far as we know, is still in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, granted, he did go to Australia to film that, you know, visit family and film that project for Disney Neighbors. Plus. Yeah. No, he didn't film Neighbors, did he? I thought it was some Disney I thought that Plus was the... project. Oh, the Disney Plus show. Okay. I, yeah. I, I, I know he was on like the last episode of Neighbors. Right. I think he did that, but he also was doing the Disney Plus show. Mm. But anyway, he's back. And as far as we know, he's still living in Chicago basically full time as far as we know so who knows who it just knows like chicago fire felt like chicago fire again yeah it it, it did and i don't want to say this because but it's honestly what i thought so i'm just gonna say it like putting casey next to carver it was just like night and day mm-hmm. and i was like they're trying and i think and we, you know we've talked about this before i just feel like they're trying to make carver too much like casey obviously with mm-hmm. like the fact you know that he's another blonde guy on truck he has a construction side gig like you know yada yada yeah and so like but when you compared him to the real thing i was like no no man will ever compare to nobody will ever like they're trying so hard to make carver the new matt casey and it just putting him against casey i was like they're it's never gonna happen and carver could be the best person in the world like jake is really nice we've had him on the podcast before and so this is no disrespect to him and carver as a character but like they're trying so hard to make him matt and it's not working and it was just obvious to me in this episode I just so many questions. So many. I know. Yeah. But don't tease us if he's not coming back. Yeah. If you're setting it up because it could go one way or the other, okay, fine. But do not tease us if you know the answer is no. Right. Yeah. If they don't know the answer is no, but they're kind of setting it up for a potential, you know, that it could go either way. I can understand that because, you know, like I get it. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, if you already know the answers, know that he's not coming back full time, or even on a recurring basis, that he, then I don't. Then why? Yeah, why give us all this hope? Right, right. But yeah, this was it. It it, it was the first, like I said, is the first episode this season, probably since the premiere, that I've actually gone back and watched for fun because I loved it that much. It just felt so comforting and familiar yeah. to see Matt. And it's crazy because, like, we've talked about, obviously, how different this season has felt. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, what you, you just felt it. Like you said, you just felt how familiar this one felt. And you're like, oh, shit. Like, these episodes really have not felt like that. Mm-mm. And that it's just, it's crazy that one actor, one character coming back can really change that. Yeah. But it did. Yeah. It did. It really did. Big time. Big time, big time. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of listener thoughts on this one. So Natasha said, I love all the kid and Casey connections. When you think about it, one, they share a best friend. And two, 
they they officially lived together for two years and longer if you count the time Stella stayed at the loft before moving in. If you add all their time on truck together, they might have spent more time together than she did with Kelly, which is saying something. So I love how much she cares what he thinks of her while also now being a leader as well. Love how much he respects her and vice versa. And I love how she so easily read him and that there wasn't anybody back in Portland. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, And then she also said, I love that Casey says Dylan pretty much the same way the whole fandom says Dylan. Like there's an unsaid fucking Dylan. (laughs) That's funny. Every time we say his name with the heartbreaking walk at the end, the only thing I can see is either a Casey return, which I don't think is happening or a Brett exit. And I don't think that's happening. If Brett leaves, is it a Brexit? God, Gina. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Sorry. Wow. The intrusive thoughts won on that round. Wow. I used to, like, I don't know if I see for sure, like, a full-time Casey return, but I don't think I see Kira leaving either. No. So, like, (laughs) why? Like, what is happening? I see him returning on a recurring basis. But I'm going to need it to be more than just, like, one episode and then 12 episodes later we get another one. Like, I mean, at least, like, every five. Beggars can't be choosers, Brenna. I know, but, like, I'm going to be cheesy and I'm going to choose what I want. We can't be too greedy, okay? Just the fact that he's back in our, like, orbit is wonderful. I know, I know, I know. know. Okay. Um, Amani said, as for Casey and Stella, loved every second of the screen time they had together. Casey knew about Kelly in Alabama and about Carver. He literally said Stella told him all about Carver. I took this as Casey still communicates with Stella and Kelly, and I take that as a major win. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Stella messing with Casey was so funny. Making him wear the candidate's helmet and the comment about him hazing him was priceless. I always wish we saw more of their friendship when Casey was in Chicago. They were roommates for years and around each other all the time on shift. She probably spent more time with Casey than Kelly in a day. That's the second time someone's pointed it out, and I've never really thought about that. Same. Um, but I digress. Either way, it was amazing to see them on screen together. Um, she says, I do have a question about Casey's return in this task force storyline. This is apparently going to be the continued into the finale. So was Jesse's return planned before Taylor took a leave of absence, or was it always the plan for him to come back this season? I think it would happen once Taylor took a leave of absence. Same. Which, because we uh, we talked about, obviously, how, like, when Taylor left, they were going to have to probably rejudge everything that they were planning for the back half. And is that a technical term? Rejudge? I don't know. <laughs> if I look that up in the dictionary, will I find it? How do you spell it? <laughs> I was just going to ask you that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, they were going to have to basically redo everything they had planned for the most part. So I think that this is their new finale, which I definitely plan to ask Derek and Andrea um, when they come on. But or th- they won't answer about the finale, but I would ask them about like how much they had to redo. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think we only see Matt for this one episode or you think we see him again before the season ends? Mm. I don't know. I I think that was it for this season. In my gut, in my gut, I think this is it. I'm not saying I, we wouldn't I I could see them like doing a voicemail situation. Like remember right kind of right after he left and we would hear him occasionally on like voicemails to Brett. Mm-hmm. So like 
he was around, but he wasn't really around. Like, I could see something like that. Like, he's leaving Stella a message with, like, an update on the task force or something like that. Yeah. But I, to say, like, he we're going to see Jesse himself, I, I, I don't think so. See, and after the first time I watched it, I was like, we're probably going to see him again, aren't we? And the more I think about it, now that I've seen the episode like three or four times, I'm like, no, that probably is it. I could, I, like, I hadn't really thought about it, but I could honestly see him like Stella listening to a voicemail being like, hey, Stella, you know, blah, blah, blah. This happened in, I don't know, whatever city, you know, another city that was there, like, you know, blah, blah, like giving her the update on, you know, whatever's mm-hmm. happening. I could yeah. see that for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Back to Amani things. Um, I I feel like it makes more sense that his return was somewhat planned because of the fact that the storyline is apparently major for the rest of the season. I feel like if the writers were scrambling to get him back after Taylor's leave was announced, they would have done a one and done storyline for Casey. But this task force storyline is going to be continued unless now we're just going to see Stella handling it because I don't think anyone from 51 knows about the task force except Bowden. Not saying that Jesse's planning another return, but just pointing out this it seems like a big storyline to bring Casey in for one episode. Yeah. But I do think, though, like, I I don't think this is their original finale. No. I Hell of a I, pivot, though, if it's not. But, I mean, that's what happens when you lose. Like, at least when they had to pivot last year with Miranda leaving, mm-hmm. they knew she was coming back in five episodes. Yeah. But this one, they had to pivot so much that, like, they didn't know if Taylor was coming back. Right. You know, like, know. they basically had to do a severideless storyline, and if he came back, great, they would find a way to put him in, but, like, they basically had to make it work without him. Brenda's making, like, a whole One Chicago Dictionary tonight. I got Rejuge. Severideless. Yeah. Rejuge. Um... And yes, she said, after tonight's episode, it's pretty clear that Brett still has feelings for Matt and Matt has feelings for Brett. I feel like now she's almost obligated to break up with Dylan because otherwise she's just leading him on. And if she does break up with Dylan, can that mean we get a non-relationship storylines out of her? Oh, this is a good point. Yeah, well, I think it just, I hope, proves to her that she she's not into Dylan. She's not into anyone. Like, she is still in love with Matt and that's okay. Yep. And staying with Dylan would essentially just be her settling. Well, again, she already did settle because she went back to him. Yep. Because he was a nice enough guy and she knew that she wasn't really ready to give her heart to anyone for anything really serious because she wasn't there. She knew she was still in love with Matt. Yep. But I do think that knowing that she's still in love with Matt, definitely, I think... The one complaint I have about this is I feel like it potentially kind of pigeonholes Sylvie a little bit because if Jesse's not coming, if if Jesse's not coming back, mm-hmm. because if Jesse's coming back, then you can do a whole host of like shippy things and that's a different story. But yeah. if she's not coming back and we all still know that she's in love with Casey, then you've got to give her other storylines that have nothing to do with her love life. Mm-hmm. And like you could only do so many more paramedicine storylines. Like, yep. there's only so much more paramedicine. And I love paramedicine, but there's only so many more paramedicine storylines. I know there are more facets to this woman than just paramedicine and, and her love life. Right. But this episode kind of takes her love life out of the equation unless Jesse comes back. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Liz said, Casey will be back some point in season 12 when Stella finds out she's pregnant and she gets put on light duty and Casey will cover truck. Hey. I don't think Stella's getting pregnant next season because we don't even know what Taylor's status update is. So I I don't think that's happening. But I just put it in there in that line because I it would be interesting that like if Stella were to get pregnant to see like, you know, that she has to go on light duty to like to see Casey come back that i hadn't really thought about that but i swear if taylor doesn't come back and they make that woman pregnant i will make the hypothesis that like wolf entertainment hates women the only way that that it then becomes acceptable is that severide's still in chicago and he's just over at arson because then he's still around he's just not on screen that's the only acceptable way they do it yeah is that he it's like, oh, no, I'm going to go to Arson. And he's still in Chicago. He's just not at 51. And the pregnancy has to go flawlessly. Yes. 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 But we're just we're just saying what if. We're not saying that's happening. Just what if. No, no. Because I don't think until they know for sure what's happening with Taylor, they're going to go there. So, like, I don't think that's happening. Yeah. I just thought it was an interesting... I hadn't really thought about the fact that, like, if Stella were to ever get pregnant and, you know, have to take a leave of absence from Truck, that, like, Casey could come back and fill in. It just had never crossed my mind. Right. Um, um, is it Sibby? I think Sibby. it's Sibby. Um, yeah. Said, you know, the Bretzy of it all, miscommunication once again is playing a big factor between these two. I'm wishing they both just tell their truth and be honest with one another. They deserve to be happy and love in love with one another. Yeah. I think, yeah. again, when Jesse, I'm just going to put out there, when Jesse Spencer comes back, whether that's for one episode, five episodes, whatever it is, because I think he will come back at some point. I just mm-hmm. think it, it may be a guest starring role and it may be forever who knows um i do think that there will have you know there will be more telling of the truth you know between him and bright about like their feelings so yeah yeah so heather b said casey being back felt strange but i think it also perfectly captured that weird mood of when you go back to a place you used to be and you still know all the people but your life has moved on it's off and casey almost felt a little out of place but at the same time fit in like he always did I love that they made him a candidate and he got a little moment with everyone he was close to, including the big save with Gallo. I do kind of wonder if where they're going with him and Sylvie, since everything felt very unfinished with him, with him talking about his possible move back with Bowden and all but admitting he was still in love with her to Stella. Yeah. It's interesting, um, though, that Heather says she felt like it. Like, I understand her comment about it definitely is a weird moment where, like, you go back to visit, whether it's your old high school or an old job or whatever, and you're like, it feels like no time has passed, but also, like, I don't belong here anymore. So, like, I do mm-hmm. get that. But I definitely didn't feel like Casey coming back felt off at, like, felt out of it at all. Like, I did not feel like that at all, personally. No, no. No, not at all. Not at all. It felt right. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it felt more right to me than off. So, Heather also said, the multiple city threat seems like foreshadowing, as did Stella's comment that if someone messed with 51, she'd sting them. I've been pretty worried that we would see an attack on 51 in the finale, but the end of PD also got me thinking. Do you think there's a possibility that the Becks are connected in any way to the threats that Casey came to Chicago to talk about? Since Richard mentioned multiple targets, we'll get there in a little bit about PD. Or are we just in for a really bad night of back-to-back finales that... It's yeah, I it's that. I 
listen, I would love to think that we've got some big crossover finale type thing going on because that would just be like the finales of our dreams as much as it would hurt. Yeah. <laughs> like it would also be the finales of our dreams. But especially given that like this is Derek's last finale and, you know, just I that we haven't had any kind of crossover in a long time or a true crossover, I should say. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I don't think so either. God, but I would love it, it though. It would be so good. It would, it be, would be so amazing. Good. I would love to it so much. redo the order they air. Yeah, for sure. Because like Med would have to be almost at the end. Because like I would assume Med would take care of all the victims from the. Yeah. You know. From the fallout. Or they'd have to just do it infection style. And it really doesn't matter which order they air. Because they're just going to all interact. God, a finale crossover would have been amazing, but also impossible to pull off. But, oh, it would have been amazing. I mean, honestly, though, this is pretty darn good. Like, this is a pretty good way, if they were ever going to do it, that, like, you've got terrorist threats and, like, PD's been leading up to it in, like, a domestic way. Fire now is kind of hinting at it in, like, a more international, you know, terroristy way. Um, It's really interesting. It's and and you know what else is really interesting is that if you look at the two finales that we're building up to on Fire and PD, they're different kinds of terrorists. That's why I said, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like on Fire, you've got like the anti-government types, and then on PD, you've got white supremacists. Yeah, and so I mean, oftentimes those will one, go hand one, in hand. But and yeah, and one feels more domestic, and one feels more international. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I also don't think it would ever happen just because Derek has pretty much said that, like, we don't really know a lot of times, like, what's going on in other writers' rooms. So, like, there would have had to just, I think this is just a dang good coincidence that, like, they're both talking about, like, terrorist stuff and heading up towards the finale. What if they surprised us and we're like, joke's on you. It's a crossover finale. Oh, I would actually die. Same. Like, Same. Would, we thought we were stressed last year about the finales or the seasons before that. No, 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 no. Uh, well, we'll get there when we talk. We'll get there when we talk PD because I have opinions on this. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we are in for a night of back-to-back finales. But frankly, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I think they're gonna be really good and like yeah I'm kind of stressed but I don't think anything's could compare to the last two years last year we were so stressed out well, last even year. the year before with fire and mm-hmm. squad going off into the oh river. yeah and eating themselves into the river yeah um, so that was also pretty stressful and wasn't that was also the year that Kim got shot yes oh trauma. last year PD wasn't that you know Whatever, and Meds wasn't, you know, Med and PD didn't have, like, the most cliffhanger finales, but Fire yeah. last year. Fire wasn't even that cliffhanger either, but, um, still. Compared to the years before, though, you're obviously We were right. just more stressed about Fire, because we were like, there's so many possibilities. <laughs> the way we were like, Emma's gonna kill Hawkins! False. False. The movie theater is going to kill him. Yeah, I was gonna say, but, yeah, Hawkins didn't die in the finale, but he did die not that much longer later <sighs> anyway anywho um lexi said oh my bretzy i have so so many feelings about their scenes but most of all i feel like there's a chance for my favorite ship of all time to get back together 
Sylvie and Matt's scenes together were just perfection. Their reunion, that hug. My Bretzy heart was screaming the whole night. You could 100% tell that there are still feelings in the air for the two, but I'll get there. I just don't like Sylvie with the dud muffin Dylan at all. She looked bored out of her mind <laughs> when she was standing outside the theater with him. Clearly, Matt was the only man on her mind. But I think those the moments that stuck with me the most was when Matt confessed to Stella at Molly's that there was no girl he was currently dating, that he was still in love with Sylvie. And then that last scene when they were saying goodbye again. Sylvie completely shattered my heart and stomped on it when I saw her crying. She was crying over Matt because she still loves him. I believe that the door isn't shut for Bretzy. I believe the door is wide open and that they will get back together sooner than we think they will. With all my heart, I wanted Matt to go after Sylvie, kind of paralleling like we saw in 915. Even though that didn't happen, I know in my heart and soul that their story isn't finished. Bretzy will be endgame. I believe it and I will keep homing for them to finally have, the, have their happily ever after together. She said dud muffin. Dud muffin. That's that good. is amazing. That's, good. That's like my new favorite word. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Oh, Matt. Come back to us already, please. This was, again, I, everything I ever wanted for this episode and more. Like, absolutely. Favorite episode by far of the season. Like, by far. Jesse, come home. Yeah. Moral of the story. Jesse squared come home yep yep we really need that merch we do we do i think i should just say jesse come home because it can really apply to either jesse well, that's what i'm saying jesse squared we want both of them no we do want both of them jesse squared come home come both home. of you come home right now yeah yeah now now yeah it is long past curfew <laughs> yeah so next up, we've got a duo that I don't want to be a duo. No, Violet and Carver. It's for life. Well done. Well done. Thank All you. right, Brenna, take it away. All right. Not a ton here. There, I mean, there's some stuff we got to talk about, but there's not like 20 scenes here. So it's 5.50 in the morning. This is how the episode starts. And Violet is woken up by banging and other loud noises outside her apartment. It's Carver. He's moving in his construction equipment. He's getting an early start on the day. And Violet is pissed. And she that goes would turn me off right then and there. Him waking me up go, at 5.50. She, she goes and confronts him in the hallway. And she's like, I'm already regretting getting you this job. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, dude. Yeah. This is not, no. Which, like, I'm up at 5.30, 5.00. 45 most days but like i know to be quiet and like respect other people who are still sleeping do you wake up naturally at that time though um at this point most of the time my body wakes up maybe if i'm like sleeping in it's like 6 30 what like seven at the latest i don't sleep in past seven i can't oh, i just i no i don't operate that way i, I don't my body all. doesn't let me anymore I was talking to my boss last week about something and he asked me about like something and I was like I was like you know this you know the mornings are not my strong suit and he was like no I know <laughs> yeah I know but like at this point I think just because my body's so trained that like you know like very rarely am I up late like I can't stay up that late anymore like this yeah. recording takes like all of my energy like it's Wednesdays and Thursdays are like my nights and then like Friday when I'm done with work I usually am asleep sometimes by eight really yeah 
damn well especially because like you know with all the stuff I've got going on like I just a lot of times by Friday I'm just so out of it I usually don't feel that great and I'm just like done I usually know that if it's past nine o'clock my time that you're pretty much off the grid always but a lot of the times yeah yeah like I've at least like, like turned my phone and I'm like trying to go to sleep yeah. And meanwhile, I'm a night owl. So like all of my productivity, all of my, everything comes to me in the middle of the night. And so like, I'll like look at my watch and I'm like, okay, it's still going to be eight o'clock and nine o'clock. I might be able to get this to Brenda in time. Maybe. Well, but once it's past like, nine, I'm like, damn. Well, and you like were FaceTiming this weekend and you're like, somebody answered the calls. And I was like, Gina, I'm like already in bed, like actually trying to go to sleep. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not talking right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. This is not happening. We are complete opposites in that aspect complete opposites yeah yeah I don't form words until coffee and that's usually at about like nine o'clock yeah 5 50 a.m Carver's got a death wish (laughs) um so anyway so Violet's like pretty like pretty pissed at him like jokingly pissed but like pissed at him and, you know, they're having a little banter in the common room, um, you know, about like, she's like, hey, Ritter, did you know that there's a noise ordinance? Blah, 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 blah. And Carver's just like, oh, Jesus, like, <laughs> stop, please. And so later on, like in the middle of the episode, they're at Molly's and Violet's talking about this light that she's having issues with or whatever. And he basically offers to help her. So then we cut to... Violet putting up the light, struggling, and she takes up Carver for his, you know, help. And the whole time, they're, like, having the scene, like, standing basically on a ladder. So, like, they're in close proximity. You know, they're discussing, you know, she's like, oh, well, she makes some comment about Seeger. And Carver's like, oh, well, that was just short-term and casual. Like, that's done. Do you think that they've said it like that because they basically knew they probably weren't going to get Andy back? And they were like, we can't go any further with this. Or do you think that was always their plan? Is that like they implied, you know, Seeker made all those, you know, remarks to the girls about like, oh yeah, we're just casual. I think it's kind of a little bit of both. Both. Yeah. I think it's like they kind of reinforce the fact that like Carver's like, yeah, that's done because they couldn't get Andy back anymore. But I think obviously that was the plan was that it was just going to be a casual thing. Yeah. Yeah um so they get the light put up and like they have this moment where Carver's like well I'll hold it and you can say you did all the work and like use the screwdriver or whatever or the drill and so they have this moment they're super close and basically there's like a moment and then Violet's like well I think I can get it the rest of the way and Carver's like yeah 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 okay and Carver's like I'll see you at Molly's later and she's like yeah 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 and he leaves and she like definitely like has like a look like a pointed look towards him as he like walks off there's no chemistry it's just again i think i like the idea of it on paper more than i'm liking it in real life personally i see less chemistry between them than i do will and grace i don't know about that i disagree with that i think i think hanago is one of those actresses that just has chemistry with like everybody like she could have chemistry with a rock and like still make it work so for me like i think for sure they have way more chemistry than will and grace um i'm i'm willing to see where this is gonna go but it's just i'm not there yet 
I'm definitely not there yet. This is this is the Grump in the Sunshine trope, and it's it's not me. You are clearly not a Grump in the Sunshine fan. I really am not. I'm I'm not because then the Sunshine does all the work in the relationship. Wow. The only Grump in the Sunshine trope that I actually like is Roy and Keeley on Ted Lasso. Yeah. Oh. Have you watched this week yet? No, I'm way behind. But also, it's because Roy is still the Grump. But he puts forth the effort to make their relationship work. Not this season. I'm behind. But well, you in know past they broke season, up. I know they broke up. So yeah. I mean, he broke up with her. So not this season. But like in season in season two, he definitely he he knows he's the grump and he stays yes. the grump. Yes. But he does the work. Yes, that's fair. That's fair. In typical grump in the sunshine tropes, grump just d- checks out of the relationship and sunshine does everything. Well, I don't know about that. I think the idea is that Grump in the beginning is checked out and then they come around. But yes. And they're still grumpy. But anyway, yes, clearly. Not my fave. <laughs> clearly. I've learned a lot about what Gina's book, I, you know, tropes would be and would not be. And Gina, no, no, no. Even Enemies to Lovers takes me a while. You're not an age gap. You're not an enemies to lovers fan. You're not a grump sunshine fan. (laughs) Maybe I'm the grump. You are definitely a friends to lovers person. Yeah. Like by far. Yep. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. (laughs) It's me. Yeah. No, really, that should that's Carver in this moment because Carver at 5.50 in the morning is like, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's like outside of Violet's door that he is the problem. I'd kill him. I mean, yeah, no, I'd kill him. Not even like bringing me an iced coffee would make that okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I'm willing to see where they go. I'm just definitely not there yet. I'm not here for it. Is there anything that could happen between them that would make you be like, oh, yeah. I mean, like, are you, I guess my question is like, are you open-minded enough to be like, if they, if something happens between them, they're like, yeah, that was done right. That like, you could potentially ship them. Yeah. I mean, I'm always open-minded enough for that. Um, I am, I am a sucker for, I mean, it doesn't even have an official name, like not really damsel in distress, but like if there's some sort of close call or something and Carver like steps in front of her or something, I'm a sucker for that. A bad Well, it seems like it's that. almost going to be the opposite when we come back because like it looks like Carver's going to get hurt and then I'm sure we're going to have some kind of like Moment. violent reaction. Never say never. Um, I mean, you remember Crockett and Natalie? I was not on board with them until the kidnapping episode and then I was like, no, there is evidence. You were not on board with them in that episode. I was. I got on board with them after, though. Yeah. No, Crockett and Natalie was definitely my jam. I'm like, I, I'm trying to picture this because obviously I know a lot of people made the Vic and Ripley connection on Station 19, like to Hawkins and Violet. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, a lot of people compared those situations. And so I'm trying. Right to- down to the death. Don't remind me so bitter the Vic and Ripley still hurts but like I'm trying to keep an open mind like I didn't necessarily care for Vic's first relationship after Ripley the Jackson stuff that was not my fan but like you know eventually obviously like she was able to move on and now I love her and Theo like I love them so like I'm hopefully you know like I want Violet to find love again like I want her to you know get there so like I'm 
I'm open to her and Carver. I'm just not there yet. They dated Jackson? Yes. Like Jackson Avery? Yes. What? For like a long time. Yeah. What? Yeah. I thought he he dated, was it Stephanie? Are we still watching the show? I haven't watched the shows in like over a no. decade. I, I just always know no, what's no, going no, no, on. No, 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 We were watching Station 19 when they, he was, when they were dating. I don't remember that. I remember him being with Stephanie and then leaving for April. Yeah. And then he dated Maggie and he also dated Vic. Jackson dated Maggie? Yeah. Cause it's weird because obviously their parents are married, you know, cause Weber oh. and Catherine. Oh, and that's weird. That's real weird. weird. It was really weird. That's an Allison and Luther situation. Yeah. But like Allison and Luther are different. But yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, but um, no, but yeah, he did Vic for a little bit. You were watching the show. You were still watching Station Nineteen then. It uh, apparently I have dumped a lot of it from my memory because I this is all news to me. Oh, but it's so good. I wish you would pick it back up. Should I get back into it? I think you should. Okay, I would love for you to. Because Merle Dandridge joined the cast and she's just amazing. You, I love oh, her. She's so fantastic. Oh my and God. And she's a girl boss. She's the freaking chief of the Seattle Fire Department. She's a freaking she, girl boss. Oh, she's amazing. She pops up in The Last of Us, which I know you're never going to watch because that is not your kind of show. But she's incredible. Oh my God. She's so incredible. I love her. Um, I, I do have to send you one clip from like the last of us. They did this, they did this thing where it was called like the last of us live where they basically took like, it was in between the video game and the show. Uh-huh. And they basically did a whole night of like last of us live. And so at the end of it, there's a scene at the very end when uh, her character is basically holding a gun up to Joel and trying to convince him to like leave Ellie. And when they filmed it, the director was just like let's play a prank on the guy who plays joel just like sing the whole scene sing it just do it and the guy who played joel he just went with it and so that's amazing there's this whole version where they just sing the whole thing and it's world andridge so in court of course it's just amazing um so yeah that that part's been like stuck in my head for forever because there's a part like she basically is convincing joel she's like look like if you leave her she'll be raped and murdered and then she sings it so in my head i'm like she'll be raped and murdered like i gotta send you the clip it's funny but yeah you can save it till the summer because at this point the seasons are kind of you know almost done-ish but like you should catch up do i want to watch dean die though listen i didn't want to and then i made it through and there's some good stuff on the other side it's like a rite of passage isn't it it's hard damn okay anyway that'll be a summer project for you once i watch timeless the patrons will murder me if i don't watch timeless you'll be done with timeless so fast though i know it's two seasons they're not even like that long um i i had the patrons like in tandem on wednesday night so the the group chat everybody was like we're on hiatus now gina like you can watch Timeless. You know that, right? And then another one of our patrons, Natasha. Yeah, I'm throwing you under the bus here. Natasha emailed me like two seconds later and was like, you see all the crap they're giving you in the group chat? I was like, yes. Yes, I see. I yeah. see. Let me finish the night agent first. Yeah. I'll get on it, I promise. But yes, after Timeless, which I did promise to watch this year, I will do that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So listener thoughts. Heather B. said, okay, but there is some cute romance novel chemistry between Carver and Violet that I really like. 
again, potential, not there yet. This week had this week put to bed a lot of the fears I had that it would be very one-sided with her always trying to boost him up and fix him. That's your grumpy sunshine thing. I don't think it would be very in character of Violet to be that way, but I also she goes where the writers tell her, so I couldn't be sure. The banter between them and Carver giving her instructions so that she could install the light herself made it feel much more equal and cute. I like them. I'll even say it. I ship them. I wonder if next week when he is injured, well, in next week, she means, you know, three weeks from now. Yeah. Um, is when she has her big, oh, no, I've developed feelings epiphany because that's the part of her finishing out her grief arc from Hawkins that I'm interested to see the most. Her feelings for Gala were safe to have because they had been something before. And, but moving on with someone new or even just realizing she has feelings for them would be a challenge in her journey of grief that I think would bookend the season really well story-wise. I can see it. I mean, at least I'm I'm not there yet, but I'm not, we're not closing the door. We're not, we're not not there yet. No, but I mean, and we'll touch on it more when we talk about Gallo here in a minute. Um, but that, I feel like that complicates things a little too. I, I don't, well, yeah, we'll save it before we get to Gal. Um, I know that we will never know what was changed because of Taylor's absence, but I feel they probably always had planned this plan, but skipped a few steps for Carpenter to resolve things with Stella and by default Severide. And I think that might be adding to the feelings that this is happening too fast. But it's one of those things I think we might have to give grace on. There might always be that loose thread with Carver and Stella, but I feel like that was, that they are trying to give us a better version of him that 51 was always going to produce by the end of the season anyway. I think it's just much interesting. It, I think it's interesting that we have seen him in seen in him become much more connected with the other characters over the last few weeks. And I feel like he seems much more open with things. He'd, he'd struggled to tell just Stella before. I know he's not everyone's favorite, but his arc has been what has kept me interested in fire this season. That's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like that at all. Nope. Um, I do think, though, that definitely the Stella stuff in my head still feels unresolved, but it's definitely one of those things that I just think we're going to have to give grace to the writers for, like Heather mm-hmm. said, because I think that that was definitely cut short because of Taylor leaving, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, So I definitely agree with that, but I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I just think, to me, I think what's doing, and we talked about it touched on it a little bit earlier we've talked about it a lot before is that i just think they're doing carver a disservice because they're trying to make him too much like casey in my head that all i can do is be like well he's not Ca-. i mean not that i really sit there and think like this but like you know that he in my back of my head though i'm like well he's not casey like and i think they really did it in with the construction stuff like that just that is that was casey's thing yeah it was very much casey's thing i think they're doing him a disservice i don't think it's because of the casey thing i think it's because he's always sad but but it's not anymore though Uh, i mean no he is not gallo he's not sitting there being this like ball of energy and sunshine and like he's not gallo mm -hmm. or you know cruz or someone else but he he's not moping anymore I, i i i guess that's fair but i don't know so brooke said probably an unpopular opinion i really like the idea of violet and carver mostly because i think violet will call him out on his shit and make him see a different perspective on things poor seeker though i think she really liked him yeah i think seeker definitely liked him but again i think that's more of a andy allo couldn't be on the show and like they couldn't get her anymore no 
but yeah. So yeah, uh, next up we've got Gallo. This might be the best stuff we've seen from Alberto ever. Yeah, I said the same thing. It's I, I think it's Alberto's best stuff he's ever done on the show by far. I love that they're finally giving us family stuff. Why did it take this long? Right. It's so good. It's yeah. It Alberta really killed this episode. He really did. I mean, and I've wondered this whole time. I'm like, so if his parents died, what how did who did he grow up with? Like they never they just kind of left that open-ended. Right. And obviously he had to be someone local, you know, had because he was still going to the firehouse all the time. So it yeah. had to be someone in Chicago. Yep. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So Gallo leaves his apartment. He's talking to Ritter on the phone. He's like, I'm getting donuts. What do you want? And he sees this random woman staring at him on the corner. He's, we, we, we don't really know who this is, but he's shook. He's yeah. definitely shook. So he just gets in the car and carries on. So later they go on a call and she shows up to the firehouse. This is his Aunt Lacey that we're working with. Yep. Aunt Lacey. So she tells Ritter, she's like, this is where I'm staying. Just tell Blake. If he wants to come see me, that's fine. He goes to meet her, and we get this. Blake, I'm so glad you came. Wow, he looks so, you're, you're so grown up. Oh, it's been 16 years, so. It has. There's a nice place next door if you want to grab some brunch. Or... I'm hungry. Okay. And I'm actually, like, I'm on a schedule, so. Why are you here? <sighs> Well, it's sort of a long story, but uh, I guess the main thing is, is I'm trying to get back on track. Yeah, trying to get back to the me before the fire. I went down a bad path. There's lots of drinking, drugs, things that I am not proud of, but I have been clean for a few months now. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I'm in a program trying to make amends. So I'm just a box to tick? No. Oh, no, no, Blake, it's not like that. Blake, I have regretted leaving you every day since I did. But when it happened, when, when your mom died, my sister, I, I, I kind of lost my mind. I didn't know what to do. I was so scared. I knew you were safe staying with your Uncle Carmine. I didn't, I didn't know Uncle Carmine. My Aunt Lacey, she took me to the movies. She sat with me in church while we giggled and drew cartoons and... I knew her. I just thought it was better if I stayed away. Stayed away? You disappeared. You disappeared on me. I lost everyone. And you disappeared. I was 23. I was a kid. No, no, I was a kid. Okay. There's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. A lot. Okay. So it's been 16 years, which, okay, that makes, that makes Blake 28. Yeah. He's like my age. Okay. Yeah. He's 28. His aunt, when this happened, was 23. Mm -hmm. This is his mom's sister. And so it sounds like when it happened, the grief just consumed her to a point that she couldn't be there for Blake. Yeah. And she just left. Right. But Gallo being that he was so young, he didn't understand. He didn't understand that. He was just like, I needed you and you left and you mm -hmm. abandoned me. 
That's how he saw it. Yeah. Yeah. But this whole scene, I mean, I know we've talked about this storyline being, like, this scene, Al- Alberto's just putting on, like, a damn, like, class in action. Yeah. Like, it, he's so, he's, this is the best stuff we've seen from Alberto by far. Like, it's just, it's so good. Yeah, it really is. And why did it take us so long to get this? Right. Yeah. So we find that out. What, uh, and then, yeah, he, he, I guess he went to live with his uncle Carmine, who he didn't really know. Now, was Uncle Carmine her husband or was Uncle Carmine her brother? I don't know. I'm curious. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I have many, many questions. But yeah, I mean, and I, and I get where Gallo's coming from when she, she basically says, she's like, I was 23. I was a kid. And Gallo says, no, I was a kid. Yeah. I get that, right? Because when you're when you're 12, obviously you don't understand the full breadth of it. But the truth is at 23, yeah, you are still a kid. Well, and that's the thing. Yeah, like to a 12-year-old, a 23-year-old should be an adult. And like, yes, technically 23 is an adult, but 23 is still a kid. You know nothing at 23. You don't know. You're just out of college. Like, you know shit at 23. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind how to deal with a horrible loss and a big trauma like that. No. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. And so- uh, yeah, I mean, Blake is hurt, understandably so. Mm-hmm. It, it shaped that decision shaped a lot of his life. Yeah, and so yeah, I mean, he's he's upset that she's resurfacing now, of course, because she's throwing a wrench into everything. Yep. You know, he had mentally cut her off, and now she's back, and and, and he's like, why, why now, why, and how does he know he's not going to get burned again? Right? Yeah, for sure, he has trust issues. Maybe getting burned is not the right phrase mm, to use no, in this instance. No he can't fully trust her bingo and her intentions yes understandable completely yes. understandable yeah so um she also gives him the key to the storage unit she's like look look like a lot of your mom's stuff is in there just here's the key go check it out like here you go so gallo leaves molly's pretty abruptly he doesn't really say anything he's like i'm just gonna uber over there he's and just like, like staring at the keys in his hand and yeah. drinking a beer and then he he doesn't say anything he just leaves yeah yeah, and Violet's like, what the hell is happening with him? So Ritter basically reads Carver in and just kind of gives him the details and just says, look, his family was killed in a fire and somebody popped up. And Carver's just like, so he became a firefighter. Like, he's like totally blown away by it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we go over to the storage unit and it's just full of baby Blake stuff. I was like sobbing this whole scene. I was oh, my like, God. oh my God. Oh my God the family photo like who knows how long it's been since he's seen that yeah oh ouch yeah so like he finds one of his mom's necklaces he finds the pictures he finds the singing christmas ornament oh that oh, did that's me in. really what did me in i was like oh, oh my god yeah yeah and he oh. just kind of like breaks down crying because he's alone it's probably the only place he feels safe doing that yeah oh poor guy so after the call the, the call with the guy hanging out of the window. He finally confides in Carver. Because uh, they get back and, you know, Casey's like, that was a hell of a call. And he's like, thanks. And Sam's like, the the car, the Gallo I know would have post-gamed that all the way home. It's a different relationship with Matt. Like, right on. Yeah, obviously his relationship with Matt is like, he looks to Matt as his captain. Like, yeah. the person who took him under his wing brought him to 51. You know, he respects him. And not saying he doesn't respect Carver, but like, Carver is a peer. Carver's a peer. Yeah. He looks up to Casey. Yeah, for sure. Casey's a superior. Yeah. 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 
but he confides in him and Carver just basically says, look, not everyone tries to fix their mistakes. If she really wants to be part of your life, that's not something to take for granted. So I think it was interesting. And I never really thought about, because obviously I still think there's apples to oranges, but like comparing Carver to Gallo and like the fact that they both have this childhood trauma and mm-hmm. that there is some, even though they're different, like there is on a level something they can relate to each other that they can't you know that like violet's not going to be able to write to them or writer or stella like that they just can't relate to and so i did really like that it was carver of all people that said that to gallo because i think carver was going to be the only one the more i think about it carver was going to be the only one that could say it to him and actually mean something because like carver's been through something similar that's true and like in Carver's situation, his brother tried to take advantage and, like, Carver didn't have as lucky of an ending. And, like, he wants Gallo, if he can make something good out of his relationship with his aunt, to do so. Because mm-hmm. Carver's not going to have that. Right. Right. Yeah. That ship has sailed for him, so it makes sense. Yeah. I just, I hadn't really <laughs> thought about it until they laid it out like this. And then I was like, you know, that kind of makes sense coming from Carver, <laughs> of all people in this moment. It does. Now that you point that out, I'm like, oh, yeah okay i see it i see it indeed yeah so at molly's later he's doing way better but then he gets a text from his aunt that she's at a bar and so he goes to find her but he finds her car crashed with her inside and she's in the passenger seat there's somebody in the driver's seat we don't know who that is yep so and that's the cliffhanger that is the cliffhanger or a cliffy as lauren called it last night a cliffy a cliffy i love that it makes it sound so like dainty and cute like oh here's the cliffy yeah yeah. So a lot of listener thoughts on this one. Uh, Natasha said that was my favorite Gallo story in a long time. I think there's so much there that the show does with grief, violets and fresh grief. I think it's also so important to show Gallo's because he's in long haul grief. And also this sounds weird, but in Frozen 2, there's a song about grief, about losing someone so important that you can't imagine what it's like to go on. So all you can do is try to do the next right thing. And that's what Gallo's done with his whole life. I love that. That's a good I way to look that. at it. Yeah. I love that. Um, Amani said, I loved hearing more of Gallo's backstory. The scene of him looking through his mom's stuff was so sad, especially that part when Gallo and his sister were singing that Christmas song. Alberto acted his ass off. The cliffhanger was rude. Why are we continuing to traumatize 51 this season? I feel like this is the most traumatized fire characters in one season. Stellaride nearly getting shot on their honeymoon. Violet grieving Hawkins, Stella nearly getting blown up, having nightmares and PTSD, and then nearly getting shot again. Herman having to deal with Cindy getting cancer, Carver feeling guilty for Stella getting hurt and his brother coming back to town, and now Gala's aunt coming back and getting into an accident. The writers are going to continue to hurt 51, at least mandate therapy for them. True. (laughs) True. Or pay for it for us. Yeah. Because most of them are in serious need of it. If the writers are listening, we want backstory for Stella, Ritter, and Violet, too. Mostly Stella, because she's been here the longest, but I'll take any of them. Um, and then she said, I'm really loving this Gallo-Carver friendship. I just really hope they don't sideline Gallo and Ritter's friendship in the process. I would have expected Gallo to open up to Ritter about his family, but I get it. I was just, it was just because Carver could connect with him about family more than Ritter could. So I'm fine with it for that. But if I start to see them trying to push Carver as Gallo's best friend over Ritter, I'll riot. Either way, I love that Carver's fitting in at 51. Using his own experiences and giving good advice to Gallo was amazing to see. And you wouldn't have expected that from him when we first met him. 
what I'm worried about is that they're going to get to a good place and then they're going to throw the violet thing in there. Yeah. I could, I, I hadn't really thought about that until you pointed it out to me. And now I like, can't unsee it. I'm like, if they go there, I'm going to riot. And I'm Gallo- not even on the violet and Hawkins. I'm not violet and Hawkins. Jesus Christ. The violet and Carver or the violet and Gallo train right now. I'm not on either one train right now, but like, I already don't want it. If they were to I, go there. I see how it's going to shake out. Gallo's going to act out of jealousy and act like a toddler. Yeah. And then he's going to be really upset that she friend zoned him and got with his friend instead. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a little, he- little hesitant. If they're going to have, I've, I have no problem with them making Carver and Gallo friends. I have no problem with that. I would have a problem, like you said, if they were to like, then eventually throw Violet into the mix and have it be an issue. That, that. Show me that two 30-something-year-old men can be friends and not let a girl come between them. Right. And that, like, Gallo respected... Because even Gallo was the one that said, I think we're better off as friends right now. And Violet said that, too. That, like, they both... Violet and Gallo both cherish that friendship. Yep. And so... Let us see that Mm -hmm. right now. Not saying that it has to be like that forever, but, like, let us see the Violet and Gallo cherishing their friendship more than anything right now. Yeah. And let that be. Yep. And then if you want to go there in, like, a season or two, then we'll talk about it. But, like, yeah. let them be in their friendship right now. Yep. Um. Let's see. Heather B. said, Gallo's storyline this week was honestly one of the, one I've been hoping for. Not that he experiences another tragedy or that his past was dredged back up, but just a good storyline that isn't in any way connected to Violet or Vallow. While we know what happened to his immediate family, we don't know how much much else about his past and i love what we got to see a little more from him i also like that carver stepped into a brotherly type role and is still trying to support him we saw a similar thing happen earlier in the season after the man jumped while gallo was with him and carver's solution then was to get gallo as drunk as possible which was also his solution for doing things at the time i like the growth when we see we see when he offers advice here and checks in with gallo a few times instead i kind of hoped he followed him when he left the bar just because i don't think gallo should be alone to help his aunt yeah 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 all good points so last up before we give you the tayo talk because she's awesome um we gotta talk about tony this is one of the better comedy storylines they've had in a while i this might be my favorite one of the season i love this so much and i love the fact that and we've talked about it before that obviously tony when he started out on the show he wasn't even trying to be an actor he was supposed to drive the freaking truck like he was (laughs) the only one that knew how to drive the truck and then he's just stuck around for 11 years which is kind of crazy when you think about that so like the fact that we've come to this point this is our first like real tony storyline yeah we've had that cap one to end season eight Mm -hmm. um when he had the issue with his eyes and so like i love that we're getting like a tony storyline and you throw in mouch and cap and it's always gonna be funny but like it's kind of cool just to think about how far tony has come but actually though yeah for real and and nobody else in the firehouse would break this record than tony like nobody else would do this okay yeah so basically the story starts because like tony's about to break the cfd record for perfect attendance so like you're telling me the man doesn't take vacation i guess like, not. because like if you can't even call out a ship for when you're sick that means you've just literally worked you've never taken a vacation i think tony is probably one of those weird people who never gets sick and like never takes a vacation 
That too. He just, yeah, because I think he loves his job that much that he just like, he doesn't need a vacation. He just loves his job. Yeah. But uh, I also don't think he gets sick. Yeah, no. Clearly he's not missed work. Yeah. Immune system of steel. Yeah. <laughs> so basically they're like, yeah, you just got to get past this shift and one more. So like he's close. So they're like, Mouch and Cap have tied, decided to make it their mission to basically protect Tony at all costs. Like this episode <laughs> is the definition of like protect Tony at all costs. It's so funny. It's so funny. So basically, truck and squad go on this call where a guy is like stuck in his house's crawl space because of bees. Bees. Bees everywhere. I hate bees. Bees. Fucking bees. bees. Yeah, bees. So Cap immediately is like, Tony's allergic to bees. He cannot be here. <laughs> and Cruz and Cap's or Tony's like, this is what EpiPens are for. Like, I'll be fine. And Cruz is like, no, go wait in the nope. truck. <laughs> and Tony's like, fuck you guys, like, stop. <laughs> and it's just, like, funny because he, like, so then they go back, of course, they're at 51 and, like, shifts over at this point. And they're, like, walking out and they're talking about, like, you know, Tony, you can't do this. You can't do this this weekend. You basically, like, stay in your apartment all weekend. And there's, like, the guys from the next shift are, like, working or whatever. And, like, one loses an oxygen tank. So it starts rolling and Tony almost trips over it. And Mouch is, like, Danger is everywhere. <laughs> He's like, you cannot be too careful. Oh, so funny. And Mouch is also more invested in it because guess who holds the current record? Rutledge. Rutledge. Fucking Rutledge. Rutledge. Fucking <laughs> Rutledge, man. Fucking Rutledge. So, yeah. So, basically, Tony rolls up to shift with food poisoning because the night before, they were all at Molly's and Herman was trying out a recipe for many these mini hot dogs for Cindy's party, and Tony ate one too many. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with them, but he just ate one too many. And I was dying when Mouch is like, 40 mini hot dogs is the same thing as eight regular hot dogs. You shouldn't get sick from that. And Herman's like, What the fuck? Yeah, you should. Yeah, you <laughs> he should. Was, he was like, the limit on these things was three. He's like, What are you talking <laughs> about, you dumb dumb? <laughs> I was dying. So Tony rallies. He's like, I'll get through it. He's like, I'm here. And like, Cruz is like, I know, I think I need to call in a floater. And they have that whole scene where they like turn the lights on and, you know, Cruz asks Tony, he's like, are you okay? And Tony's like, yeah, I'll rally. I'm fine. <laughs> um, and he, the way, he ends- go ahead. The way Cap and Mouch freak out when he turns on the lights, he's like, Tony's convalescing. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. It's just, it's, it's so really, funny. it's so funny. And so he survives. He does survive the shift. And, like, as they're walking out at the end of the second shift, Herman sees Tony still not looking that great. And Herman's like, you know, Cindy will understand if you don't want to come. And Tony's like, no, I'll rally. And he does rally. He makes it to Cindy's party. And then Herman puts out more of the mini hot dogs. And he proceeds to eat them again. And and Mouch and Cap were just like, what the fuck? Like, what is wrong (laughs) with you? And he's like, I don't know. I'm gonna eat them. <laughs> it was just a really solid comedy storyline. Like I, every time I rewatch this, I've laughed out loud at these scenes. It's so funny. It's really funny. I love like it the, so much. the combo of the three of them, Mouch, Cap, and Tony. It's just it worked really well. Danger is everywhere. <laughs> so funny. You mean forty mini hot dogs is the same as eight regular ones? You should get sick from that. I I was dying. Oh, that's funny. It is so good. Yeah. 
Um, we did have a couple of listener thoughts on this. Heather B said the Cat Tony Mouse storyline this week didn't feel as comical as I expected. I do wonder though, was Tony actually sick or was he mad at Cat for writing him out about the bee sting allergy and faking it to worry them a little? Guess we will never know, but that would have been funny. Oh, that would have been, that so, been funny. so funny. Yeah. We'll never know, but that would have been really funny. I love it. Uh, Tony, and then Bro- Tony's like a little, you know, sneaky. I could see it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's probably like the biggest prankster at 51, but like operates incognito. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then Brooke said, I love the comedy storyline. I hope they continue doing things with Cap and Tony, but that was hilarious. And I loved every minute of it. Also, another great performance from Christian Stolte. Christian so funny. Stolte is like one of the comedic geniuses of our time and he's just so underrated he's so funny so underrated it's so, underrated. It's so good he's just he kills every he, christian in focus. real life too you guys like it, that is christian yeah. like in real life yeah i love it so good so so good so good so uh before we jump into pd uh we did get the chance to chat with tayo amis this week she was the director of this episode of fire um as we said before she's part of the female forward launch program that nbc has in place that allows female directors to basically shadow directors then guarantees them an episode of television to direct so um we had a great chat with her she's wonderful she's a badass so cool so cool. So here is our chat. Hi. Hi, Tayo. How are you guys? We're good. How are you? Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you as well. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, congrats on your TV directorial debut. That's fantastic. Love it. Very so good. yeah, so uh, let's just jump right in. So yeah, um, you are part of the NBCU female forward program. So yeah. uh, tell us, what 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 is it about this program that attracted you? What made you want to be part of it? Yeah, I think for me was the fact that, you know, you're guaranteed an episode. I think there's so many wonderful programs, but there's I feel like this is the first program to offer a guaranteed directing assignment as part of the program, which makes it very competitive, but absolutely worth it. Um, I shot my shot, and here we are after, you know, shadowing two episodes and then getting the opportunity to helm episode 18. Uh, really awesome opportunity. And I'm really grateful for this opportunity. That's awesome. How do you think being a part of this program now that you're kind of on the other side of it has empowered you both as a director and just as a woman in general? Yeah, I think what's so empowering about being in this program was talking to the other directors that have been um, through this program and seeing where their careers have taken them. They've since gone on to direct, you know, number of TV episodes and, other uh, movie projects and other, um, you know, TV and film projects. So, you know, it really lends itself to the name NBC launch. Like it really feels like this is a launch of a new chapter in my career. Um, and I'm really excited to see what's next. That's exciting. So how familiar were you with One Chicago when you got involved? Yeah, I was aware of the shows, um, but I honestly wasn't, like so ingrained in the universe, but of course, you know, interviewing and then being a part of the show shadowing and like watching all the episodes leading up to this season, I was invested. I was sucked in definitely. So that by the time I directed my episode, I was so excited to, you know, play my, give my vision and my um, point of view to such a iconic franchise. 
That's awesome. And obviously this is a big episode because obviously it's Jesse Spencer's return. Um, did you feel any pressure, like, especially knowing how much this episode is going to mean to fans? Like, was there any kind of pressure on you? Did you feel it? Um, I felt a little bit for sure. Um, I think what helped was while I was shadowing on episode 16, I heard rumblings that he was coming back. So at least I can mentally prepare for his return. Um, and yeah, I think by the time I got the script, I knew what to expect. I think if I just read the script the day before and knew he was coming, I would have had a mini mental breakdown, but fortunately that didn't happen. And a bit of a warning that he was going to show up for my episode. So because of that, I mean, I'm such a fan of Matt Casey as a character and, and Jesse as an actor, I was able to, yeah, just be prepared. And then on top of that, he's such a wonderful actor and so talented. It was such a treat working with him and yeah, I, I try not to think about the fans too much. It's really just about telling a great story. And uh, fortunately, the script is really awesome. And I was excited to, yeah, sh- shepherd it and helm it to the screen. So what, what was it like being on the set of a major television production? Obviously, there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I think that's what's so helpful about this program is that you shadow two episodes um, beforehand. And... I've also had the opportunity to shadow um, on three other shows before um, getting on this. So by the time I was directing my episode, I had shadowed five times and I've also worked in um, production, like as, as a PA, as a, you know, coordinator, like all the roles. Um, and so, and I've had experience working on big time productions through other production companies. So I think that multi-layered experience coupled with my own you know, independent projects as a director at the short films and music videos and the like. Um, I felt I could take it on, but it's still a big job. It's a big show, but fortunately the cast and crew and everyone involved was so supportive. I really felt like I was able to do the job to the best of my ability. That's awesome. You've kind of alluded to the shadowing a little bit, but obviously participation in the program comes with the shadowing and the various workshops. Do you feel that that added prepared you for directing this episode oh a thousand percent I think shadowing I have to be honest like I thought oh I already shadowed before like why do I need to shadow again but I think shadowing not just one but two episodes makes one you more familiar with the show and how it works but also for the cast and crew to get to know you as well and feel like they can trust you and know you and I think um that helped tremendously um, especially because it's such a large crew, a large professional crew, it's, you know, tough to get the trust uh, for a first time director. Um, so I think the fact that I was shadowing, asking Reza, the producing director questions, talking to the crew members, and really understanding the DNA of the show um, really was um, monumental to, I hope, this episode's success. Yeah. And so what are some of the bigger differences when you're prepping for TV versus when you're prepping for a film? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is um, about the writer's intentions. I really want to honor, you know, the writer's perspective and um, uh, intentions with the script. And so there's a lot of meetings with the writers, just making sure that I'm on the same page as to the intent of each scene, um, what they want to see visually, thematically, et cetera, and then being able to translate that um, to the department. I think for a film, I would spend a lot more time establishing, you know, a lookbook and kind of the visual rules of the film. But because this is a long running show, the visual rules are pretty well established at this point. So it's more about, about being particular about the specifics for each scene and what I need 
um, to execute each scene um, that I envision from a logistical and technical point of view for each department. Yeah. Um, Chicago Fire is obviously known for its big act- action sequences. And obviously you didn't have a fire in your episode, but you did have some pretty big action sequences. So I'm, what was it like directing those specifically? Man, those were the most fun. I was the most excited <laughs> for the stuff. Um, like I had never used a techno crane before. And uh, it's a, as, as I'm sure you know, it's a huge like camera piece of equipment. And I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to shoot like all this stuff. But you know, with time, uh, you know, you can have all the equipment in the world, but you can't stop the sun from moving. So you just got to keep moving. <laughs> um, but I think what was really helpful as well was um, having a storyboard artist um, and just really uh, breaking down visually uh, the scenes and being able to share my storyboards to the department so they knew what we were going for and then having those boards next to me on set and literally crossing off when I felt like we had that shot or that angle. Interesting, very interesting. So you're currently directing your first feature. And in addition to that, you've done commercials, you've done short films, you know, even music videos. So do you have a favorite medium that you wanna kind of stay in for your career or and or you kind of dancing around and where does TV stand now that you've got experience in it? Yeah, it's so funny. I honestly didn't really know about TV directing until I went to film school and then you know, was able to shadow all these amazing directors. I think, you know, for me, I am, you know, still young and still my career is evolving. So I think for me, I'm definitely, you know, open to all the mediums, but I think TV is definitely going to take a higher priority than it did before, because I feel like there's so much exciting storytelling in TV right now. And I think that only empowers me as a filmmaker and as an artist for, yeah, I have some feature projects that, yes, I'm developing and hoping to put together this year, it's just a long road for independent filmmaking right now. So I think there's some exciting story developments and creative um, work in TV that I definitely want to explore more. That's awesome. And I guess kind of, I know we're about to run out of time, but one last question to kind of finish it off. Um, you were awarded a blind script deal with NBC and it's part of, you know, NBC and Target scene and color film series. So I guess what's next for you? Like, what are you, what's your next project going on? Yeah, so that is going to start hopefully soon um, with, uh, of course, it's kind of a little, you know, tenuous with the writer's strike impending right now. Um, but yeah, that's definitely on my radar. It's like working on that. And then I'm developing a feature that we're aiming to shoot this summer and then um, rewriting a feature that um, has been on my heart for a couple years now. So it's going to be a lot of writing and uh, yeah, just hoping to get that next episode. Love it. Love it. Well, that's about all we've got. Thank you so much for coming on. It was so nice to meet you. This was great. Thank you. Thank you so much. So cool. Yeah. Never used a techno crane before. That's, I mean, how many people can say that? Yeah. Well, that's why I wanted to ask her specifically about the action stuff, because like that is so, especially on like network television, like so unique to fire Mm -hmm. and like, or any of these like fire, you know, shows at this point, but like, I just, you know, I think that's very cool. So cool. So, so cool. So, um, yeah, shout out to NBC and for Tayo for chatting with us because that was fun. Um, And go go follow her. She's so cool. On Insta, uh, it's Tayo, T-A-Y-O, and then shoes, like Tayo shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go follow her because that was cool. And she's done so many other things too, like commercials, music videos. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. It's just, it's such a choreographed dance between all the different parts to like pull together one episode. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. 
All right. Any other notes on fire? Nope. Let's stretch it. It is time. Oh, PD was so good this week. This was, it was really good. I'm like really scared, but also really excited at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I but also reconcile I mean, it. The beginning of this episode. Oh my God. Uh, all week we were like Berserk morning after scene. Like we'd better get a Berserk morning after scene. Oh, did we get a this morning This was like after better scene. than we ever, ever could have imagined. I literally, I, I, I thought it was legit going to be like maybe 30 seconds of just like morning, morning, phone ring, done. Oh no. No, 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 no. We sat in this moment for a good like two minutes and it was just like, both of them are completely like blissed out. They're so happy. They're yeah. smiling. They're holding hands while they're sleeping, which is adorable. It's really cute. Like, oh my God. It's just, I think especially knowing how long this journey has taken us to get back mm-hmm. here. It's been seven years since they've, and, and you know, anything really to each other. Yeah. That this, like, I think that's what makes this sweeter. It's like, finally, like, it's not like, oh, it was like five episodes. It's like, no, finally. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. It gives you the idea they haven't done anything like that in years. No. Because, like, I bet even when they slept together the last time in, what year is that for? Season seven for PD? It took me a second. After infection, when they get pregnant, when Kim Pitt's pregnant. The rea- yeah, reaction to yes. the stress of the day, yep. Yeah. So, like, the last time they slept together, obviously it wasn't anything like this. That was probably just, like, what we said. It was a reaction to the stress of the day. Like, I could even picture her, like, sneaking out on him after mm-hmm. they did that. So, yeah, this is definitely not, like, anything they've done in a really long time. And I don't even think, like, if you had told me that this is what it was like, you know, when they were first together, probably not, because that was more, like puppy love you know like they were so young so naive and, and they were this, having fun yeah yeah and like not to say they didn't care and love for each other but like this is like different like they've been through a lot of shit they're so much older now so much wiser like they have a kid together like it's just it's so different so it feels yeah, so just... earned it just it really feels so earned yeah yeah and they even acknowledge it because, you know, Kim yeah. just just like, I don't want this to just be like, well, no. you know, that was oh, Adam. Adam says that. Yeah. yeah. So Adam's like, I don't want this to be like, you know, and Kim's like, no, me neither. And Adam says, he's like, this feels different. It's literally everything we've ever wanted. Yup. Or at least for the last seven years. <laughs> Yeah, and I and and they're just so like tender with each other. Like she's got his hand on her chest, and like, or yeah, she's got her hand on his chest, and like they're just being so sweet and gentle with each other. Like, yeah, yeah, it's definitely different. Yeah, this I love so it. Good. It's so so good. So Adam's undercover phone goes off. I mean, we can't sit in this moment forever. We wish we could for the whole hour, but we can't. Yeah. You know. Um, so the undercover phone goes off and it is Samantha Beck and yeah, fucking Samantha. So Adam's like, yeah, I feel like I'm not really getting anywhere with her. It's been a month, but like, we're not making any progress. And so Kim's like, just be patient. We'll get there together. Like, oh, we'll get there. We'll get in this together. I know. I was in like that kind of mood in that moment. I was like, oh my God. We had, yeah, we were still on the high with Casey. So we were just riding it out. Yeah. 
Oh, it, we very rarely get to end these episodes on a high. So this was wonderful. Yeah. And then it gets even better. So Adam gets ready to leave for work. And we, I just, I had to pull the clip. And, and I hope you're ready to just put it in here like 20 times. Because just here, have it. I'll be back as soon as I can. All good. Do your thing. Where are you going? I'm going to work, Bumblebee. But it's the weekend. Yeah, well... You know, unfortunately, bad guys, they don't take the day off. Oh, see you later. Okay, Dad. What did she just say? Okay, Dad. Okay, Dad. Okay, Dad. The way I screamed. But actually, though. Oh, my God, because I was not expecting it at all. You literally audibly gasped. I no, Yeah, no, I actually did. Like, I was I shocked. am a witness. It was actually a thing. I like did the recoil and like the hand over the face. I'm like, oh, like, yeah. Oh, I'm so glad that it came out of nowhere because that makes it even more special. It really, yeah. I, and I didn't, and I would have been okay if she hadn't gotten there. I mean, obviously that's what we wanted, but I would have been okay if Michaela had never gotten there or it was a long time before she'd gotten there. But like hearing her actually say it, I was like, oh my God. It feels like it did take her a long time to get there. Right, but I'm just saying, even if she had never really gotten there, given how terrible her actual biological father was, <laughs> and she, you know, dealing with the trauma from that, if she never felt comfortable calling Adam dad, I would have been okay with that. Yeah. But obviously, if, again, it feels more earned. Like, hearing her say it, I'm like, no, like, this is, it's, Yeah. It also kind of feels like, because given the given the looks between Kim and Adam and how they didn't say anything, I, I get the feeling that they, like, gave her the option and she was just kind of like, okay, but she never really took it. And now she yeah. finally took it. Yeah. That's so perfect. Oh, my gosh. It just, yeah. Beautiful. And the looks on their faces, because, like, Adam was just, like, Adam was shocked and then he was like, what? And then it was just, like, a giant smile. Yeah. When then Kim God. smiles, too, like... Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people were kind of like, well, how's Kim going to react to that? And like, how does she feel about it? But she's happy. I mean, obviously, they're in a great place. Like, you know, they're just happy and they're a happy family and just let them live, please. I'm once again, the Berzik bubble has formed and I don't want to leave it. Nope, me either. I just want to stay in the Berzik bubble. Yep, me too. Can let like all the other bad things happen. Like, bad things can happen on bed and fire. And I'm just like, I don't care. I'm cozy. I'm cozy in the Berzik bubble. Yeah. Yep. Oh, love. So then what we do is we cut to these parallels, right? Because Adam's living a double life right now. He's, you know, he's a Delph and, mm-hmm. you know, living with Kim and Mac. But then he's also undercover working with Samantha and Callum. Yeah. And so there's a lot of parallels here. And so one of those is we get to see Kim and Adam playing ice hockey with Mac. I was dying. Oh, it's, it's like so literally cute. a two second scene, but it is. It's so, so cute. It's so cute. Part of me wonders how Marina and Patty were on skates, but also Patty's from Minnesota, so that's probably like programmed in his DNA. Yeah, I think Patty was okay. I mean, I don't know how Marina is. I'm terrible on ice skates, so I'm not bad. I'm not good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, the ice hockey scene. It's so sweet. So Samantha gets a text from her dad asking her to handle the Dale problem, but she doesn't have a sitter. Dale is this guy that they work with. Uh, 
And so Adam's like, yeah, so I'll just go and do it so that I can prove myself to your dad and like, you know, try and get in his good graces. Richard Beck is fucking scary, dude. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's so scary. So Adam gets there. He smells a lot of bleach, notices a bunch of bags on the table. And Dale takes the bag and the bleach and Adam and then they leave and they basically end up at some like abandoned place. Um, it's this abandoned building. They take a trash can, throw the bags in, pour the bleach, light it on fire. So they're destroying some sort of Evidence. craziness. Yeah. Yeah. So back in the bullpen, Adam does not know what Dale's trying to cover. He just knows that something happened, but nothing's been reported. So Adam's just kind of stumped. Doesn't yeah. really know what's going on. So Voight's like, okay, well, get creative, check the car, and don't get made. Like, he says it so easily. He's just like, check the car and don't get made. Just yeah what like it's hard yeah yeah and uh yeah he says secure the warrant just don't serve it hank yeah i was like really like you have like only a few lines in this episode and i'm like really not serving it it's gonna get the evidence thrown out does the man know nothing about criminal procedure clearly not and does he not like does he think that defense attorneys are stupid like they're gonna find this stuff yeah like, Hank, clearly not. Hank, killing me, kid. <sighs> so Adam goes to Dale's. Here's Dale talking to Richard about how no one's going to find out anything. And Adam gets Dale out of the house so that Ocean Water, Torres and Kevin, can sneak into the garage. I yeah. love when these two play criminal because they are the worst at playing fake criminals. Yeah. They're so bad at it. And it's actually kind of adorable. I'm like, oh, ocean water. You guys are terrible at this. They're so bad. So bad. I mean, they they get the job done, so they're good at it. But also, it's, just, them- it's just more funny because it's like they're trying to be so bad that they're good. They're so good that they're actually kind of bad at like they're, you know. It's kind of like when so when like when you're driving or something and you see a cop and you're like act normal even though that that's like you know yeah they're like pretending to be bad but they're actually so good at it they're actually both just complete cinnamon rolls yeah it's just (laughs) funny so yeah so they get the car they steal it they they get it out that's great but they don't really find anything dale had just had the carpets like professionally cleaned right before they got there so trudy comes up shows them a video from cpic and it's this video of dale just speeding down a side street uh and so they go searching the side street and they come across a Chinese restaurant that shouldn't or it should be open, but it isn't. And they basically go in and find a horrible murder, murder scene. Yeah, very Just, gruesome. Like, oh, so gruesome. Um, yeah, completely gruesome. But honestly, we've had so many good moments in the night that I was not phased. I was like, I know that this is gruesome and violent, but I'm good. I mean, I definitely was like, I definitely did not need to see those bodies, but yeah. 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 Uh, so so remember, this is a Chinese restaurant. And on the wall, there is a tag on the wall in blood. It's German. I'm going to butcher it. Forgive me. But it's Nurtog. I don't know. I I might have done French, dude. I, I don't. I probably said that wrong. Um, but basically, it's German for New Day, which is a Nazi rallying cry. the becks are so scary i don't know what it is about these two but they are terrifying yeah i think they're so terrifying because unfortunately in this day and age it's so realistic 
Yeah. Like, you know, we were talking about earlier about, like, the terrorists and, you know, the white supremacy and all that stuff. And, like, unfortunately, it's very rampant here in America. And it's really scary. Really scary. It's really, really scary. It's really scary. And it's just, I think that's why the Becks are so scary and why Richard specifically is because he could be someone, you know, that we could come across in our everyday lives. That is just mind blowing. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's so scary. Oh, yeah. Okay. So back at the 21st, the text say there, there, Dale's DNA was not at the restaurant. So he was probably not involved, but um, they catch a potential witness, an employee. So they bring him in for questioning. Um, Side note here, a lot of Kaylee and Kim this week. I like it. When even in the last episode, two weeks, all like Haley and Kim working together. I like it. Like if you're not going to show us like true Haley and Kim friendship, you know, like this is the next best thing. And I think you have to show us this before they can show us the true friendship anyway. Yeah. Like show them working together so that when they do eventually have like a good friendship moment, we're not like, oh, that came out of left field. They're not friends. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Give us more of that. Yeah. But no, I really like the Haley and Kim stuff. And and Kim has stuff to learn from Haley and vice versa. Yeah. You know, you don't have to keep them separated because they're both women. They can yeah. interact. Love it. So the the witness, he says that the guy came in yelling about how they ruined the block and then he heard stabs and screaming. Uh, and so he went to call 911. He couldn't find his phone. He panicked. And all he remembers is the knife. So this knife was really big with a green handle. And that's all he remembers. Yep. Keep that in the back of your mind because that's going to be important. Okay. So Kim, went, or not Kim, Mac went to dinner with a friend. And so Kim gets a text that Max is, Mac's done and she's gonna go but adam's like no let me get the fresh air like i'll go it's fine so he gets to the restaurant and he sees mac and sam shows up adam adam sam what are you what are you doing here looking for you look it's an emergency my dad said not to call or text okay how do you know i would be here look i've seen you here you come for dinner you've seen me here when why does it matter here when sam when we first met, I followed you for a couple days just to make sure I could trust you. You followed me? You followed me? Jesus. Look, I watched you eat dinner by yourself. It's not a big deal. Look, we gotta go. Something's going on. I I can't talk to you about it here. Uh, Come on, we gotta go. I have to cancel something real quick. Just Come on, Adam. I'm coming. Oh, my God. I, I honestly didn't see the fact that, like, they would think of following Adam. Like, it never crossed my mind. And I don't know why, but it never crossed my mind. It obviously didn't cross his either because he was going about his life. He was like, what the fuck? This is the closest of close calls. But there, keep in mind, there's there's a little bit of dialogue in here that you got to take note of because he's like, you followed me, Jesus. And Sam goes, so what? I saw you having dinner by yourself. Yeah. So he, she's never seen, she's never seen Kim. Right. She's never seen Mac. But I guess my question is, so she's seen him at this restaurant, but, like, how far did the following go? Like, has she, I mean, what we don't know is, has she ever seen him walk into the 21st? That's a good question. Like, does she know where they live? Like, yes, she's never seen him with Mac. Yes, she's never seen him with Michaela or with Kim. But, like, we don't know how much else she knows about him. Right. You know, and, like, 
how long, you know, she only said she was following him for not that long, but like, you're not going to just randomly follow him to some restaurant and like think, oh yeah, okay, that's it. She obviously has followed him other places. Just Mm -hmm. what are those other places? And how much does she know? She said she turned up because she knows he comes there a lot. You think she tracked his location? I don't know, but like what happens if Kim shows up and not Adam? Right. Well, if Kim shows up and not Adam, then I mean she doesn't recognize. No, but Kim. Samantha's waiting for him at that restaurant. Right. What if she shows up with Kim? Yeah, or like, you know, even just Kim shows up. So what Samantha just was like, okay, he didn't show up that night? Like we're how you know? She tra- she had to have checked his location. I don't it's weird. She I think she's she's got it somehow. Like Richard probably has some sketch method of getting it. Oh, so scary. So yeah. scary. And then does he turn his undercover? He doesn't turn his undercover phone off when he's at the district. So, so many questions. Yeah. So many questions. Oh, so scary. And also, like the subtlety, how, like, the minute she approaches, Adam backs away from the window so Mac doesn't see him. Mm-hmm. Oh, if Mac had seen him. Well, and oh. then, yeah. And then when Mac comes out with her friend, and he watches her in the car mirror, the side mirror. Oh, my God. I know. That hurt a lot. Yeah. I was mad because I was like, really? We get like five minutes of enjoying that she called him dad and now we get this. And now, she- and like, honestly, maybe this was naive of me. But before last night, it never really crossed my mind that like Matt could potentially be involved in this. It never crossed my mind. That like that, the yeah, the Bex would find out about her. Well, no, not necessarily that he, but, like, yeah, just that she would be involved somehow. Like, it just never crossed my mind. I know. I was like, oh, Kim. I was like, Kim will be, you know, but, like, and then I was like, Mac, and I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that hurts so much. Yeah. That was awful. So, Samantha explains, they're taking Adam to go kill Dale because he's been too reckless. And so, she runs inside. Adam calls Voight and is like, I've got, like, 30 seconds. And, um, basically Voight Voight's like okay just like stall and Torres and Atwater will come and get you just stall so Dale starts call Dale, Dale starts talking about the Chinese restaurant and Adam basically calls Torres and like just so he, they they can basically record it good on Torres for not saying like hello or anything because that would know I mean yeah I think he knows he's they're obviously going after Ruzik because Ruzik's in danger. I think he knows not to just answer the phone. Yeah. Crazy. So they get to the destination. They go inside. Adam tells Samantha, go get the stuff in the bedroom. Dale and I will go in the basement. He's stalling for time. And he also doesn't want, he doesn't want Samantha to do this. A, because she's, you know, A, because obvious reasons. But B, he knows it will wreck her. Yeah. And, like, if she gets caught for whatever reason, Richard would absolutely hang her out to dry and take her away from Callum. Mm-hmm. Oh. Killer. So, in the basement, Torres and Atwater show up. They get Dale. Adam fakes some shots, so Samantha thinks that, like, he did the thing. And he blows his cover to Dale, which, like, that's risky. Yeah. So, like, for all I, yeah. they know, I mean, granted, until maybe the handcuffs came out, but, like, for all they knew... Or he, Dale knew that, like, Atwater and Torres are just some, like, gang members or something. Like, I mean, like, they he doesn't know they're cops. So, yeah, it is kind of risky. It's so risky. I, I honestly feel like Adam got lucky that Dale did, in fact, end up dying. Yeah. Because you see later that Dale was never going to flip. 
Yeah, and that, like, somehow Dale didn't, like, escape before he died or something and, like, release it to Beck, Richard. Like, you know, he he definitely got lucky. He did He did get lucky. I hate to admit that, but, I mean. I did think yeah. his, when he said it, though, he's like, I'm a cop, dum-dum. He's like, I was dying at that part. You know he wanted to say dumbass, but since it's, like, you know, network yeah. TV. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a cop, dum-dum. So funny. Um, yeah, and so they get back in the car. Samantha is freaking out because i mean in her mind dale just died and adam just did it and so she's yeah i i i hate to call a woman fragile but sam is fragile yeah she's like two seconds from breaking oh yeah at all times because she's got this insane loyalty to her father but at the same time she is terrified of him yeah when she doesn't want to be anything like him no no yeah so bad so bad so after Ruzik leaves, Torres and Atwater, they go to uncuff Dale and Dale starts fighting back. He gets so many punches in on Torres. I'm like, leave him alone. Yeah. I think I quoted Grey's Anatomy at one point and I was like, he is very tiny and you are hurting him. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Then and then- when, yeah, when he, when Kevin gets him like pinned up against the wall and Dale's like, you're going to pay for this, you goddamn. And Kevin's like, say it. He's like, say it so you make it easy for me. I was like, mm. I was like raging at the same time, but I was also like, you go, Kevin. I was like, hell yeah. Oh my God. Oh man. This episode was crazy. So crazy. Ryan, I take it from here. Okay. So Ocean Water is at med. They're questioning Dale, but he is not talking. Uh, Dale, I don't think you're hearing us. Your boss the man who helped raise you ordered your murder. I heard you. Okay. And we can put him away for life. You just gotta work with us. Why would I work for you? Because you don't want to rot in the penitentiary, Dale. No, you don't understand. We are at war. And I'm a soldier. And I'm messed up. If it was reversed, and I was Richard, I'd have done the same thing. The cause is bigger than both of us. Okay, well, talk to us about this cause. I mean, what y'all got going on? You'll hear about it soon enough. Okay, Dad, this is what I want you to do for me. Imagine Danville Prison, and I'm not sure if you knew this, but the brothers run H Block at the Danville Prison. And all I really got to do is just drop your white ass off. And as soon as they hear about your cause and know about your history, they're going to own you. Like, for real, you're probably going to have to keep an ice pack in your shorts. Ouch. And when they get bored, they'll cut you. And watch your racist ass bleed. You trying to scare me? Mm Mm-mm. Just give me what we got, and you can do with it what you want. They're trying so hard, and he Dale is like, he's so brainwashed by Richard and the Becks and the whole thing that he's just like, nope, uh, nope, we're not doing you, that. You keep hearing the word indoctrinated in the media right now, and this is the perfect yep. example of that. Yep. Yep. So they go back to the 21st, and they're trying to figure out something to basically pin Dale to the murders. Because even when he was talking about the Chinese restaurant in the car, he never said anything about, like, him killing, you know, the restaurant owners or whatever. So, like, they still have no actual evidence tying Dale to the murders. 
So basically new some new pod footage comes in that shows like Dale's going somewhere before he went home that night. And Adam recognizes the building. He's never been there, but he recognizes it because it's something the Becks talk about a lot. And they're like, okay, well, maybe Dale may have gone there. Maybe he possibly hit the weapon there. Like, why else would he go there? So Kim and Adam go and check it out. And, like, they do find the knife. It's cleaned off, though. But they're like, okay, maybe if we get really lucky, we can pull something from the knife. Mm -hmm. Maybe it just wasn't cleaned well enough. But they almost get caught because Richard shows up. And he's with Callum. And he's teaching him about shooting guns and, you know, all the things. And Adam is pissed because adam obviously feels something for this kid he feels something for samantha and he doesn't want to see callum get brainwashed by richard but kim's just like no we gotta go like we can't stay here yeah and it's yeah so they go to question med or go to med to question dale and they basically find him bleeding out from his wrist room so he's basically reopened it to kill himself and kevin's like you don't get to die like this or Adam's like, you don't get to die like this. And Adam's like trying so hard to give it, to give up Richard and he doesn't. He ends up dying. Um, and so Adam's Adam so frustrated. He's so frustrated. And he goes to Boyd and he's like, I said, he's clearly feeling a little conflicted, even though he says he's fine. And Boyd's like, well, like, really, like, what are you feeling? And Adam's like, well, do I really have a choice? And, you know, Boyd's just like, well, we use it to end this. Like, this is like, we're going to. This is going to be the end. This is uncharted territory, though. Never in 10 seasons of the show has Adam ever felt like he was in over his head. No, for sure. No. And now he does. Yeah. And it's not even because, like, I think part of it is the personal stuff for him, right? Not even just, like, Mac and Kim, but also the feelings for Samantha and Callum that have become very personal. Mm Mm-hmm. But also then just the stuff that, like, Richard is so hard to nail. There's so much going on. Richard has become so hard to nail that I think it's a challenge that he's really, like you said, is he feels very in over his head. And yeah. it's the combination of all of those things that it's, like, really killing him. Yeah. So then the episode ends. You've got Adam at dinner. It's Richard, Samantha, and Callum. And Callum's playing with this toy gun. And he's like, it has hollow points in it, which is, like, a terrifying thing for a kid to say. Yeah, thinking about everything that we're going through in the U.S. right now, like, it's terrifying for a kid to make a joke about having hollow points in a fake gun. And he points it at Adam. Yeah, and then he's like, dang. And I really thought for a second we were going to end up with, like, an accident and that that was going to be the cliffhanger for this episode. And I was like, dear God. Because I can see that happening, right? Like, in the finale or something that, like, Callum is, you know, right? Like, but they Oh, God, if they go that route. But they keep making all the references to, like, Callum getting too attached to guns and Callum guns and Cal like they just keep I feel like it's gonna happen if he doesn't do Adam like would he end up accidentally shooting his mom I can see that I, too oh oh there's there's multiple ways that this finale is going to traumatize us isn't there yep 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 shit yeah I could see him accidentally shooting his mom and like Richard looks proud and Samantha is pissed because Samantha doesn't want anything to do with it and she doesn't want Callum to have anything to do with it. But Richard just, like, looks proud. And so Adam's like, fuck it. He's like, Richard, I need to talk to you. Like, now. And they basically go into the basement and they have this conversation. I am sick of this. Excuse me? I'm sick of playing babysitter to your daughter, to your grandson. I'm sick of pretending to be some happy family when I just killed a man. If you want my loyalty, if you want me to take care of things with her, 
Then bring me in for real. Sam told you about the plan. The little she knows of it. It'll begin in three weeks, on May 28th. Supplies will be in place by then. Multiple targets. Many casualties. Our message will be sent loud and clear. You're going to be in charge. In charge of what? Deliveries. Deliveries of what? You'll know on the day. No more for now. Your time is coming, Adam. You've done good. I'm proud. But in the meantime, you have to keep Samantha on the path. She's losing faith, I can tell. Callum is confused. You'll have to remind her of the truth. We are making a better world. Yeah, so I was shocked with every single thing that Richard said. But then at the end of it, I was like, oh, this is going to be so good. It's, it's unfortunate that we're talking about this topic and being like oh man it's so good but like it's gonna be really good it's gonna be really good it's gonna be really good and it's an adam well from what the internet says it's an adam finale obviously and it's it's gonna be really good this is definitely going to end on a cliffy where adam gets hurt oh my god yeah like we're the already writing on the ourselves. yeah yeah we're gonna have four months of like just pain and suffering yeah it's definitely gonna be one of those things where like when pd starts foaming back up in the summer we're gonna need like all the fans to be like posting their pictures of patty on set like, yeah we're gonna be on we patty better watch. know by like august at the latest whether like patty's still around <laughs> oh my god yeah and and now now i'm starting to feel a little guilty for being excited because i'm like no maybe i'm getting lulled into a false sense of security where i'm like patty will be fine and then like no the i think drops. patty will be fine this finale is going to be so painful, but I also am so bad. I'm so looking forward to it because it this sounds like the most intense finale we've ever had. Well, up there, I mean, Kim, end of season eight, that's that's up there. But I think especially after last year, last year being such a dud that like, yeah, this finale is. I was happy last year was a dud, though. No, yes, we needed it after season eight. We needed the dud. But, like, as a whole, as an episode, when we're ranking our finales, like, we did that one time, like, season nine is at the bottom, for sure. But, like, everything Richard was saying in that scene was escalating, right? Because he was like, 
multiple casualties, mm-hmm. multiple targets. And then as if that's not enough, he was like, you're going to be in charge of deliveries. And he wouldn't tell them what deliveries were. Deliveries are clearly bombs. Yeah. Like clearly to probably like multicultural locations around Chicago. Yeah. Oh my God. Yep. So now the question becomes, how does this one cop thwart this giant terror attack? Mm-hmm. So scary. Yeah. Oh man, what an episode. What an episode. And kudos to whoever plays Richard Beck, because like you're scary. In a great way. In a great way. Yeah. 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 Oh my god, um, what an episode. Yeah. So we of course had listener thoughts on this. Um our listener Aaron, who's one of our patrons, she couldn't resist and sent us another voice memo. Well, ladies, I think I can officially say that I have died and gone to heaven oh my god 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 this is gonna be less coherent than the last one but i was hoping and we were all hoping for a morning after scene um and then marina bless marina with her hashtags she basically told us there was going to be um but oh my goodness i it's like I have no words. Like, they were just so perfect. Like, I... It was everything I could have wanted and more. Like, the smiles on both their faces. Just how happy they are. And, like, they both didn't want it to be a one-time thing. They're in it together now. They are officially a couple again. I never thought I'd be able to say that, honestly. But here we are. So... And then the next best thing, or maybe the greatest thing to ever happen, was hearing her call him dad. Oh, my God. Like, I... (sighs) Patty did an interview around the 200th episode where somebody asked him that question. And, I mean, he obviously knew it was happening. So, like, I guess he just said that to throw us off. But, like, are you kidding me? That was the greatest moment of my entire life. Like, the way... And it happened so perfectly. The way she just casually said it. Like, it was no big deal. And the look on Adam's face and Kim's face, like, I have never seen Adam smile so big. (sighs) And then I really liked the scenes of him, you know, spending time with Kim and Michaela and then going to the Bex. Like, I thought it was interesting intertwining those scenes um, at the same time. Honestly, oh my God, the rest, that was like the only happiness throughout the episode honestly because the rest of the episode was really dark and really scary um i yeah i don't even know where to begin um the becks are awful horrible scary people and i want adam away from them as soon as possible and i oh my god and the scene where i know i'm skipping around but the scene where he goes to pick up Michaela, but like Sam followed him. Oh my God, what the hell? She followed him. And he's so sad, like watching Michaela through the window. Oh my God, it broke my heart. But I, I don't even know. I can't even really tell you the rest of the details of the case because I was just still on a high from the first five minutes. But... I know 
that this this is leading into the finale. I know there's three more episodes until the finale, but this storyline is going to be in the finale. And I don't know about you, but I think it's pretty obvious that Adam is going to get hurt. Now, I know nothing. I'm just speculating, but I think it's pretty obvious that he's going to get hurt. Um, and I think this is a horrible theory, but I think Callum might shoot him. I know, like, that's horrifying. But the way that when he was sitting at dinner with them and Callum just points the gun at him, uh, if that's not foreshadowing, I don't know what is. So I don't know if he does that accidentally or purposely or some or his grandpa like tells him to do it. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to happen. All I know is that I'm very prepared for him to be shot. But I'm also very, 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 very confident that he will be okay. I don't think that him being shot is going to be the cliffhanger of the season um, because, spoiler alert, they were filming at Med. So there's obviously going to be a scene in the hospital. At least that's what I think. So, yeah, um, I really haven't been able to stop breathing. I had to send you this message as soon as I got home from work today. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I'm just going to live in this happy Berzik bubble that we have now. They're finally together. Whatever they're going to go through, you know, in the season finale, they're going to get through it together and then just be a happy little family. Okay, I'm going to go watch those scenes again. Bye. I love it. I love Aaron. Yeah, it's so good. I love that. Like, I was expecting her to honestly start it out, like, screaming. And, like, she, you know, she was even like, I apologize for the rambles. And like, she's like, I don't even care if that makes sense. But, like, I tried to pull myself together. And you in the group chat, you were like, don't pull yourself together. We want the no. unfiltered. I was disappointed. I wanted, like, unhinged, like, pure reaction, Aaron. Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's so funny. Good. Uh, yeah, a Twitter user Geekazoid said they actually showed Berzik in the morning after. Continuity is a thing. Yeah, I feel like this season really more than ever. Yeah. Well, compared to the old, in the new chapter of PD, let's put it that way. Yeah. I feel like we're getting way more of it, but um damar said what a great episode of pd we got all the berzik feels and i could not be happier they look so in love now i love the parents we got up just scenes ocean water is one of the best partnerships on this show and their the partnership is show refreshing to see they're a partnership with right that is rife with potential and i needed to see more of them we also finally got matt calling adam dad and i could not stop smiling i'm so happy for the berziks but i fear that the season finale will have adam getting hurt badly I don't want this to happen, but it's clear that that's where the show's headed. And I'm anxious not only about Adam, but Kim and Matt, too. Richard Beck is scary, and there's no telling what he might do to Adam or anyone of Intelligence members if he finds out Adam's real identity. The finale is going to be insane. Going to be insane. Yeah. And yet I can't wait. Why? Why? Heather B said, this felt like a team episode, even though it was focused on Adam, and I really liked it. I've struggled a lot with PD this season because it just feels off and unbalanced, but this episode felt like we still had the team there with Adam while he was undercover. I also thought the opening was perfect and showed that duality Adam has of being Mac's dad, which, OMG, she called him dad, 
but also caring for Callum while undercover and the differences in their environments. I also thought it was great that they showed how much being a dad now can affect him while he's working undercover when Sam almost sees Mac. Given how dangerous the Becks are, and now that they have given us more about their plan, I have to say that I'm worried for the finale and it being a big, a, a potential cliffhanger. We've never seen Adam in a big life or death situation really outside of the OD last season, and I'm hoping they haven't picked now to change that. I think they have. Yeah. I think they have. Um, Lexi said, holy shit, the Berzik of it all. First of all, I almost fell off the couch when the first scene of the episode was of Kim and Adam waking up in the bed together. Can I just say one important thing? Holy crap, Dadum is canon. Dadum's canon! When Michaela called Adam dad for the first time, my heart absolutely skipped a beat before melting into a puddle. I just thought about thought that moment in the montage of Berzik playing ice hockey were some of the best moments of the whole episode. So good. Yeah. So good. Brooke said, no thoughts, but I do have a question. I did not expect Kim's reaction to Matt calling Adam dad. That smile was everything. Do you think if this was earlier in the season, like pre-fall finale, but not when she was right in the middle of everything she was going through, we would have seen the same reaction? I think she's happy about it now because she and Adam are together and it's solidifying the family, but I could see Kim being upset about it in the past. Maybe upset's the wrong word, but anything else I can think of seems too harsh. Just not entirely happy. Don't know. Just really curious to know your thoughts on that and if I'm dead wrong. I don't think she would have been upset about it this season. I think in a past season she might have been. Well, I don't know if I, let's put it this way. I don't know if she would have ever been upset. <laughs> I just don't think we definitely see that reaction and see that smile if it wasn't for, like, him and Adam getting back together. Like, yeah. I think she'd be more stoic about it. I think she'd still give that smile. I think, I, you know, it definitely was perfect timing. But I think she'd still be happy about it. No, I think she'd still be happy about it. I think she's just more stoic, more reserved about it. And now mm -hmm. she feels like because of the therapy and her breakthrough last week and obviously her and Adam getting back together, that I think she feels like she can be happy about it. Yeah. And that she can actually show her feelings. Yeah. Um, lastly, Jennifer H. said, Boyd doesn't seem to care if his whole team is killed. I am not interested in the storyline at all. It's tough to watch and so much darker than we need network TV to be. Whoever thought I would miss Anna. That's a fair opinion. Yes, not my opinion, but a fair opinion. No, that's a fair opinion. Um, Hard eyes to Adam's face after hearing Matt call him dad. Dad him in full effect. Protect that family at all costs. Ocean Water is a pair of Keystone cops that I need in every episode. We can have levity in Med and Fire. Why can't we have it in PD? Because PD... because we don't smile on PD. Smiling's not allowed. Yeah. What Gina Just said. Kidding. That was sarcasm. Don't come for me. But like sarcastically what you said. Yes. Yes. This was a great episode. Yeah. We are gearing up for a crazy finale. Well, and it's just going to be better because we're going to have... I know that people hate this, like, the fact that we're off for three weeks, but I'd rather be off for three weeks and then get the last four episodes in a row than be mm -hmm. like, let me have an episode 19, take a week off, 20. Like, I'd rather just have them all in a row. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it just feel, like you said, the intensity feels like it's ramping up. Like, it just feels more like finale time at that point. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any other notes on this episode? Nope. That's it. So good. So good. All right, that's about all we've got for today. Um, as always, you know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, TikTok. Am I missing anything? 
I don't think no, so. No, I think that's it. No. Meet us at Molly's everywhere. Email us anytime about anything. You guys, seriously, don't be afraid to share your opinions with us. It's okay if we disagree. And it's if okay. You, and if you don't ever want us to share it on the podcast, just write it in there and we won't. Mm. Um, Obviously, you know, that's totally fine with us. And like you said, we'll email you back or whatever if we want to respond to it. But like, if you don't feel comfortable, like having it read out loud, you don't have to. You can just say that, hey, I don't want this shared. Yeah. That's absolutely no problem. I always say it. we respect boundaries on this podcast. Right. Even if we don't agree, obviously we want, you know, we want people to share their opinions with us because that's why that's we started why we, this whole podcast. That's yeah. Why we created the space. So yeah. 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 Um, email us anytime. Meet us at Malays at gmail.com. Check the link in our socials to our Patreon page. If you'd like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, check out our tea public. Uh, lots of good stuff there. I would just like to remind you there is a girl dad piece of merch with Adam on it that you might want to check out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So we the shows are on hiatus for the next three weeks. We are going to do something next week. We haven't decided what. Lila Rich Creek Estrada will also be joining us next week. That's Nellie on Chicago Med. So uh, definitely send in your questions. Uh, I mean, we've already had two of the three interns and they've been absolutely fantastic. So I can't wait to talk these these interns are the best yeah looking forward to rounding out the trifecta Mm -hmm. for sure for sure so yeah we'll do something next week we're not sure what uh but yeah that's about all we've got so in the meantime everybody have a good weekend and we will see you next week bye